If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. Ahoy, I'm Dan. And we're here to discuss episode four of Survivor, Winners at War. I like revenge. This episode title, I must say, as great as it is, a great Sandra moment representing a great Sandra confessional. In my opinion, missed opportunity to be like, I like revenge, but I like $2 million more. Because that's really clever and memorable, and I would remember the episode. But I like revenge. I at first could not remember which confessional it came from until I was like, oh, right, it's the really funny one Sandra said. So I wish they would have added a little bit more. Yeah, it sort of obscures uh, sort of the whole story of the episode. Because like it's this battle between whether... Uh, Sandra should do, in my opinion, the smart thing, or if she succumbs to revenge. And in a way, this sort of spoils it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, when you think about it, like uh, the fact that it doesn't represent both sides of the argument and um, the line, like if you're just pressing the info button on your guide, you kind of know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you could think that Sandra uh, doesn't get her way. True. But but yeah, um, I thought this was. An excellent episode. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna disagree. I figured we would because I've seen you on Twitter. Um, okay, I think there's an obvious place where we disagree, and that would be Edge of Extinction. But what did you think about everything else? Everything else was so rushed. I don't think they did a satisfying job explaining why the middle people, that being um like everyone who isn't the four of yule's alliance so like um sandra tony um sarah etc why they came to the conclusion to vote out tyson i feel like that was completely not explained whatsoever and i feel like to me they did not do a good job building up any sort of resistance to it being tyson i felt like if anything they downplayed a lot of the narrative threads that were required to understand why he went home like why are we at tribal learning that Nick apparently idolizes Tyson? This is something we heard about in the preseason when Tyson's like, Nick literally follows me around. And like, if I take a drink of something, he takes a drink of something and smiles at me. And then at tribal, he's like, or maybe these nerd super fans will try to target their idols and put it as like a badge on their resume. Like, look, friendos, I was able to take out Tyson. That could have been a really fun story of what it means to be a winner nick even says i'm self-conscious about my win and how good of a player i am i think that could have been a way better story than what we got which was tyson thinks he has it and doesn't Hmm. i do think that the group that was sort of the swing here which is like weird it's a weird sort of there's four on one side one on the other and then four in the middle but i do think that's a lot of people a lot of important people to show wrong in this episode and we'll get to that because they're I mean, DeCall is just full of contenders, but yeah, it was weird. I thought it was just presented pretty okay. Like, it was captivating. I did almost think, like, oh, maybe maybe Tyson will worm out of this. And Nick does get this weird un- edit where he's under-edited and then just goes to the edge of extinction. But yeah, I didn't think that was bad. I definitely thought the scenes 
before that were really good, though. Like, seeing Adam on his, like, sneaky mea culpa tour. Um, the Robin Michelle scene was very good. Um, I agree with that. I actually think all of the Selly content was actually very, very good. Mm-hmm. But it was all rushed. Like, we got these quick montages of Adam going to everybody. And when I think you could have had a like much larger exploration of things like Adam, again, continues to be a top tier survivor character in this season where he's just become like a child. Like his, his character <laughs> is like man child. And that's really, really fascinating to watch, but it was all rushed. Like that's my problem is like, we didn't get to hear what Denise thinks about him, who was his former ally, like, or maybe current ally. We don't really know. Um, There's a bunch of stuff that I feel like we just didn't get a, a super good chance to see. Like, they did the best with the time they had, but so much of it was gone. And then, yeah, I think the, the, the call story was just not great. Like, I liked the Sarah Tyson stuff, but it kind of mm-hmm. sucks that Tyson leaves in that episode. And, like, I don't know. I didn't believe that Nick had a chance of going because he didn't have a story yet at all so like i I just didn't think they were gonna do the he pops up and gets voted out when he didn't even pop up that much i don't know Hmm. to me it was just they didn't do a good job of actually explaining why the person who went home at home why it was a good move for anybody and i guess more importantly i i i I enter tribal with no investment in the story other than oh i like tyson in other seasons if this was a new person i didn't really care because I don't really factor in the previous seasons too much when I'm watching. Like, I care if they're entertaining right now, not if they were te- entertaining six years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care who went home. That's fair. I think with knowing all these characters already, it's a bit easier to sort of, for me at least, to gloss over some some details and let the game flow. And it wasn't like sort of the spontaneity of game changers where it's just like, you don't know what's happening. It was just like some details were missing. I agree with that. Yeah, they didn't yeah. lie to us, which is great. Good. Like that was the problem with something like Game Changers. They lied to the audience. They say things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was some elements of that in this episode. For example, Tony very clear, like the scene with Tony and Sandra very clearly happening maybe a week before everything else, because Tony just looks significantly different in that scene than mm-hmm. every other scene. Um, stuff like that, I thought was very um almost on his face insulting, where. It's very obvious that did not happen on the same days they went to tribal. Um, stuff like that I found kind of insulting to me as a viewer, but like I guess it was okay. Um, sure, that to me robbed all investment because I'm like, oh, they couldn't even find. To me, I thought it was very obvious. Tyson was just walking dead, like Wendell said, he was just a dead man walking. Didn't really have a chance. People just kind of said yes to his ideas because maybe idle. Mm-hmm. And so you keep saying this episode was rushed. Why? Why would that be? Like, what? What were they putting so much time into? Well, before I rant about that, because I'm sure everybody listening to this knows I have some. I have some thoughts on <laughs> extinction this week, but I do want to say, like, as much as like it was rushed, and I do think that there's to me this is the episode for the first time. Other weeks I've been like. I've had problems with the content they chose, but in spite of itself, it succeeded as a fun episode of television. This is the first one because I think Survivor's actually been really, really good at nailing the early game in seasons recently. Like even right. Ghost Island, seasons like that had a really, really interesting pre-merge and then just fall off a cliff. This is the first one where I'm like, ooh, I see the signs that I saw in Game Changers and Ghost Island and Heroes vs. Hustlers. Like I'm starting to see the missteps already 
that fail to like because the real reason that those seasons fail is you have no investment in the people late in the game you have no you don't care who they are or where they're going or their outcomes are very obvious this one to me was the first time where i was like oh i think this could fail even with this great cast Hmm. like i don't know why these people like each other other than sarah and tyson pretty much or sarah and tony um somehow sarah's emerged as maybe one of the only characters in this season that wasn't expected yeah sarah's unexpectedly fun mm-hmm. <laughs> i think i saw someone on the survivor subreddit be like sarah's fun dot 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 and yeah um i don't know uh obviously we need to talk about the edge of extinction scene okay <laughs> it was fine if i had if someone had sent me look at this cool secret scene where these people walk <laughs> back and forth carrying wood I've been like, you know what? This is pretty captivating for a secret scene. But every single second that we saw of them picking up wood, walking down a hill, walking up a staircase, putting down a piece of wood, picking up another piece of wood, climbing down a staircase, going down a hill, climbing down a hill, picking up another piece of wood, putting it down, um, is the story of Survivor. I feel like this was a really fun show that's um, like a spinoff. Because basically this episode was people carry wood and the turbulations that come with carrying wood on a hot island <laughs> with a little bit of survivor, like as a treat, like this wasn't an episode of survivor really, as in the classic definition of survivor where you get social politics and hmm. uh, relationships and fun camp scenes. We didn't really get any of that because we got like 15 minutes of edge of extinction of people walking up a hill. Um, sure. Walking up a hill, the game is an okay episode of television, but it's not a good episode of survivor. I guess if we have edge of extinction in play and up until now, it's been these escape room puzzles on an Island. This was definitely like a fun twist from the norm. Like, I think I find myself coming out of this being like, if they could do more in this vein of like task, as opposed to like a puzzle or a challenge. Like, I think that's better for Edge of Extinction, except for the like physical endangerment aspect of it. But it was just very captivating to me. And I think if you're already on a season where Edge of Extinction exists and is twisting things away from normal Survivor, I think this really fit in with what's going on it was just really captivating to me overall uh to watch this scene lots of revelations lots of legitimate emotion coming from it Mm -hmm. i don't know i i really enjoyed it it was a good way to start off the episode too and then go into all these other scenes which were fun see i will agree my problem with it is i know every second that we're seeing of it is seconds that we're not seeing social politicking and relationships and stuff in the actual game Mm-hmm. What we actually saw, like, if I concede the point of Edge of Extinction, which I don't like, honestly, I feel like too many people are starting to be like, well, if it's here, let's just treat it like it's here. I do still worry it'll come back, etc. But right. if I just treat it, okay, it's here, whatever, it's just a part of the game. You're right, it was good. To me, I think the real missed opportunity is you could have cut this to six minutes instead of 15 minutes. Like, we didn't need the entire narration of it. We didn't need everybody getting a confessional there. Like, Yeah, the interesting thing was everyone got a lot of content for it. Yes. And like, I mean, Ethan obviously should have, Natalie to some extent. And we don't know how these people are coming back into the game or not. But I, I, I feel like you could have given Danny a little less. 
Probably. Right. That's right. my real problem. Is like I, I feel like if you're gonna have like to me, they should budget the entire Edge of Extinction experience. Give them like twenty minutes over the entire pre-merge. Give them that budget of time. And see if they can make, come up with something really good about it. If they really have a huge moment, like Ethan's on passing out, Natalie crying in the river, like or in the lake or ocean or whatever. Okay, yeah, show that because that was captivating. We just then don't show us the filler, or if you have no huge grand moment, show us a funny filler thing. Don't do both because then we get no investment in the characters. So then I don't care. Like the sad thing to me that I can say. I don't care about the game that's going on that they're sad that they lost because they spent way more time justifying Edge of Extinction than they have justifying the game of Survivor. Hmm. I mean, Natalie crying in the lake was, I, I thought was so captivating. Like she's just like, I'm not an emotional person. You guys know that. And she doesn't even explain why, you know what I mean? We don't get the, I miss my family and I, my dream is to be a better person and more bold. And she's just like, I'm just sad. Like, I'm just miserable. And that was awesome. I thought that was actually really captivating television. Mm-hmm. It just, like, they need to budget for time way better. Or, I mean, if you're going to have this many people throughout the game, like, let's get an hour and a half on the television. Like, Yeah. To me, at this point, it's pretty obvious that they thought they were getting 90-minute episodes and they didn't. Um, I still don't think that's a good excuse, though. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with that is... Um, Especially if you have a season that isn't Edge of Extinction, you're going to have some times where you don't need an hour and a half, but that's what you're budgeted for. So, like, you're going to have more boring episodes that we'll complain about. So, um, always a balance. But, yeah, I guess I I enjoyed this scene. It, it was interesting. It was different. I wasn't expecting this sort of task to come out of Edge of Extinction and mm-hmm. all that. So, honestly, I think that they should invisible people on Edge of Extinction much more than they seem willing to do right now. Yeah. It almost feels like they're over justifying its existence. Like, that's my problem with it is they're like, well, we know people don't like it, but if we don't develop it really well, people will hate it. So, mm-hmm. we'll put the good content there so people don't get mad at the season. Mm hmm. And having one season sort of under us, it's shocking to be like, only one, maybe two of these people are coming back. So I know I don't need to care about Mm -hmm. all four of these people already. That's the thing. Like, if Danny's not coming back, like, why is she getting more content than Denise? And like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people. Wendell, Mm -hmm. like, she really was equal to a lot of these people and still in the game. Um, Right. I, I don't think she's coming back. <laughs> so, I don't know. As a whole, again, I don't think this was a bad episode to me. This showed warning signs for the future. In the same way that early on in Game Changers, everyone's like, best season ever. Don't at me. Like, yeah, it's fun to see your, the people that you recognize. It's like, hey, I know that guy. Haha. Um, like when someone says Wayne's World in a movie and you're like, hmm, I've seen that movie as well. But if there's no depth or complexity behind it, uh, you lose any real significance to understand why you love this show. Sure. Which brings us here to the challenge. Um, I thought this was really, really interesting that they we basically saw Sele get blown out at a level that, like, really, I can't remember anything like this in modern memory other than, I guess, like right. a couple weeks ago, like you did have them come back. But it seemed like they were actually incapable of completing the challenge because adam and parvati and denise were not able to catch the key Mm -hmm. somehow nick just nick and sarah are just apparently just terrible at puzzles like 
like I don't even understand. Like it's possible that they were completing it upside down, but even then, you can still theoretically put it together upside down like i don't did they throw it like i don't understand what made them self-destruct that much (laughs) yeah i left the episode being like okay this is the most obvious throw of all time right like um nick they literally took all the pieces off the board Mm -hmm. and none of them looked wrong to me from my television like they looked like they were right like why did they take them all out right but apparently they didn't throw it seems to be the conventional wisdom they were just that bad (laughs) which how did they end up on the puzzle i don't know but yeah like i don't know the challenge was okay i like the i guess the water challenges are always fun seeing people jump in water and whatnot but Mm -hmm. um and definitely captivating with adam like mm -hmm. struggling and then getting it and then the big comeback and the interesting editing choice though is so we saw parvati fail like eight times or whatever on the going the key it wasn't until near the end that i occurred to me that denise was also one of those people incapable of doing it well she just like, wasn't shown doing it really i didn't even see parvati try more than twice maybe yeah it, really it seemed like, like she tried was, twice and then is all on adam which i, I think mean, they just couldn't reach it oh yeah like well i don't i don't know what happened out there but like the editing made it seem like this is adam's proving point like if he mm-hmm. doesn't win this he's going home so yeah so that was interesting it was fine it's always fun to see a comeback like, even if the challenge design wasn't spectacular, the fact that it worked out so close was right. captivating. I guess it actually was never close because it was a blowout before the puzzle. And then once Sally got to the puzzle, it was a blowout in the puzzle. Yeah, they just sort of zoomed past. Yeah, they seemed to have no problem with that puzzle. Like, it seemed very simple. <laughs> Which is, again, how did Red suck that much? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so... I don't know. Overall, like, I thought the episode was good. Um, Again, I think that that scene with Rob and Michelle was by far the best scene and was really felt like the scene I'll remember from, like, this stage of the game anyway. Like, it was so good. They got some good music going on. Like, the editing cues were really on point. And it almost felt like a really well-scripted scene. And as weird as that is, like, the the dialogue was perfection to get their point across. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever seen something like that either in Survivor. Partly out of necessity, like we really haven't seen too many winners interact with each other. But someone going like one winner self-conscious about their win going to another winner and being like, you know, yeah, I was I was pretty controversial winner. And Boston Rob, maybe the least controversial winner of all time, if you look at like the casuals, and maybe the most controversial losing finalist of all time, saying, Yeah. Well, if you win, you win. Like, screw them. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter as long as you get the million, right? Um, mm. Again, I, I, a big age difference too. Like old school, new school. Like mm. they bring that up too, and yeah, it's just a very poignant scene. Yeah, I don't think you. This is one of those moments. I don't think you could write it better than what actually occurred there, mm. and that's how you know it's a magical moment, right? Like it's right. It was perfect. Like, you couldn't pick two better people to represent it, to say it. Um, You couldn't pick a better way to deliver the lines. Even Rob, I'm sure he didn't actually just nail it when um he said, well, if you win, you win. I'm sure that did not happen. I'm sure that was some clever editing. But, and if not, I mean, a stroke of brilliance by uh, the universe letting him win the game right when he said it. But <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it was just so good. It was magnetic. That's the scene to me that was like, this is what the season could be delivering at all moments at all, 
all the time. It seems like that. That gave me mm. goosebumps. Hmm. And with that said, I guess, do you have anything else before we move on to the stories? I don't think so. Sweet. Um, so we're looking at the long-term stories here and determining what that means, like what this episode means in the grand scheme of the season. We'll start here with the idea of building bridges by, um, kind of, we have a building bridges by building tools or utility as relationships. Joe, what did you think in this episode brought to life this, uh, theme? Uh, I guess my main point is sort of, maybe it's not a big point for the long-term but the way the four Edge of Extinction people bring down all their firewood at the very end, they're like, and it brought us so much closer together. Like, we have such a bond from it. I think, obviously, like, their bond isn't going to have a huge effect on the game, I guess, unless they all remember that moment and one of them makes it to the finals or something, or they pull together their fire tokens. But it seemed to just reinforce the importance of a good way to build relationships is by doing things together. Yep. And I think that's very clear at this point with the ladder, with Wendell's whole thing with edge of extinction. It's very clear. That's a theme. Like, and honestly, I think part of it is that edge of extinction is just not that competitive. There's not really a benefit to being against people on edge of extinction kind Mm -hmm. of in the background of every survivor interaction is the context of, well, only one person can win. Only you have to vote people out. Like every conversation you have could be deceit. That is not the case on Edge of Extinction. And in fact, there's often a benefit to working together. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a very huge deal. Um, it doesn't surprise me that this is uh, manifesting itself in the proper game and Edge of Extinction everywhere as a really out there theme. And yeah, I think this is, again, we've been saying that this whole season. I think it's very clear this is going to be very closely tied to the winner story. Mm-hmm. You also saw it with Adam, where once he's on the bottom, he starts doing things at camp. Um, and it seems like that will work until Rob tells his lie. So there's that. Nick is being targeted, at least we're shown he's being targeted, because he doesn't do anything, which is a very weird thing to happen on a winner's season, but important. So, yeah, there's a importance to your utility and that utility as it relates to how well you're doing in the game. Yeah, and I, additionally, I do think that there was some negativity put on Adam for the utility he provided, but it's because he was, they, like Jeremy says, I've never seen this guy do anything around camp until his name's been thrown out there, until he's been looked like a fool. Now, all of a sudden, he's making everybody soup. He's very comically carrying, like, way too many sticks. He's literally filling up every single water pitcher. Like it was almost he has bastardized the idea of what it means to be like a provider by using it to attempt to uh, like he's trying to use it to make people like him. Whereas people like Tony are just authentically themselves or whatever when they Mm -hmm. make their crazy ladder to get breadfruit. Yeah, I do think that they're trying to say that like something along. the Hey, look, this is a bad example of um, trying to be a provider for that reason almost as we've seen all season another dunking on point kind of for adam he says he's the jungle boy and it's kind of a little bit played for laughs in episode one uh with denise when he's like hey can i be your malcolm here we see everybody be like what's this guy doing he's participating around camp ha 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 (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. We do sort of see these themes get filtered through Adam. Like we talked last week about how given this season's reliance on truth and what it means. I mean, Adam's big thing was all about, oh, telling people the truth is okay. It can be useful. And it wasn't. And then here we see, oh, I can be useful too. And that will help me in this game. And it it kind of doesn't. Yeah, like, he's really been used as kind of a anti-theme person. Mm-hmm. Like the opposite proves the rule sort of idea. And I think we'll talk about Adam later, but I think if you're sort of seeing him as a winner contender because he's getting all this content, it might be important to think about what the stories are and how he's not only not fitting into them, he's sort of bouncing off of them, <laughs> like yeah, going the other way. Pretty deliberately failing them, right? Like mm-hmm. we see Wendell succeed and get more bonds by doing things. We see Sandra getting targeted by Yule her make a thing and then you will stop targeting her last week we see adam start building uh like grabbing sticks dropping them mm-hmm. and like filling people's containers and spilling and all that kind of stuff and it makes people distrust him more he is kind of the lap like lashing boy like they're giving him a few lashes for failing to do what the other people are doing mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting but yeah yeah i think that's all i have for that one uh we'll move on here to the Eternal battle of the crab versus the snake, or more on point, forfeiting this battle to win the war. I don't know if there was a sort of concrete usage of it in this episode. I thought it was important to bring up because Tyson said it, and now Tyson's been voted out. So we'll really see if this gets put down to this means anything. Um, I did note that during the Edge of Extinction part, uh, part of Danny's more content than we think she should have had is she is going slower than everyone else. And she's talking about how like slow and steady runs the race and it's like running a marathon. So there's this reinforcement of take things easier, slower, steadier. And that's the smart way to do it because we never see uh, Danny particularly exhausted during this. Um, she seems pretty cheerful during the thing and gets her task done. So Mm-hmm. No, and I, I actually think that there's another good point here with Adam where he's basically like, oh, I lost that battle. Time to just apologize to everybody. Time to he even says I had the hubris to believe that I could outplay all these people. Time mm-hmm. to go on an apology to her. Right. That's pretty much this theme, right? It's just after the fact he lost the battle. Um, Now he's going to try to make sure he's not next, mm-hmm. which, yeah, 100 percent. The next up theme is the idea of the nature of truth. This weird overall theme that in this season being truthful and looking beyond people's deception perhaps being a very important survivor strategy and along with those lines the idea of goofiness being a mask for deception i think the overwhelming idea of that in this episode was actually sarah her being like hey last time i wanted to be kind of like a criminal this time i'm gonna be goofy and see what i can do from there i think it was actually very good for her in general i also think Boston Rob summed this up very well. All season, he has been a beacon of the truth, quote unquote. He believes Danny, or not even, he knows Danny's um, sketchy, but he believes and wants to work with her because she's telling the truth. Now Rob realizes that it's not telling the truth as being paramount. It is understanding the relationship with reality and the truth, not always being intertwined, but being necessary in order to build upon that. Rob pretty clearly says the fact that he's been so honest beforehand 
gives credence to his lies. He mm-hmm. is like, should I bury Adam? Perf says yes. And he successfully, from what we see, buries Adam as a formidable force. And I think that is a, a perfect sum up of this theme so far in the season. Right. The one line I pulled when him, Parvati, and Adam are talking on the beach and Adam is like, yeah, I don't want to flip because they'll get me out. He sort of says, who knows the truth in this game? And that's just sort of the marquee and big lights summation of this theme for me. Because, I mean, later on, what Rob does is he essentially makes the truth. He tells a lie that everyone immediately believes because why why wouldn't it be the case and so it's not about the truth as it truly is but what becomes the truth in a game of deception mm-hmm. and i think it's like you only have so many lies you can, it's you you have to use your social capital in some way and some of that is deciding as boston rob does sorry adam i'm gonna lie um they don't expect it from him because he has been so honest and he has looked for honesty in general so it gives him some credibility i think we leave this episode expecting boston rob would have won had they gone to another tribal in the war against adam right i think we'll note it throughout but there's a power in this episode and there being a swap next episode that it feels like whatever they're telling us is sort of the story they would have wanted to um persist had this tribe kept its kept being the same tribe instead of being swapped. Yes. I think the story they want us to believe is Rob and Parvati were in a bit of a pickle. They found a way to get out of it and they would have been okay. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Uh, Next, we talk about a theme that's been pretty big just because of the nature of winners at war. How do you use your past to create your present? So obviously this is always on edge of extinction as people talk about uh, what they have to prove, what their life experience has been. Um, with Ethan, he talks about um, his experience with cancer and overcoming that. And then, of course, how that means he can overcome this and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, it also rears its head with Michelle, uh, talking about her win with Rob. Um, just a general important sort of foothold as each of these people who have won the game talk about what they have done and what they need to do now. Yep, absolutely. I think to me, the most important one for this theme is that Michelle Rob talk. Like it is so on the nose there about like, hey, um, I want to not be a joke anymore. Like it was really, really personally hard to deal with the idea that I was a bad winner. And it's like, well, I'm going to use every chance I get in this one to make this the best game I can possibly play. Mm. Additionally, you have Nick apparently targeting Tyson for being his idol and saying, well, some of us are really self-conscious about the way we play compared to you guys. So that's why I'm targeting you, Tyson. Um, Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, right? Like it's super all over the place. Um, Even Yule says no one even expects this because no one super believes in the people who've only played one time all this stuff altogether is clearly a a pattern that is emerging every single episode as more and more of a big deal i do as a brief aside want to note that historically in survivor returnee seasons there is a pattern of the winner very explicitly referencing their previous season um for example the famous Sarah Lucina confessional and game changers last time in survivor Kagiyan, I played like a uh, top this time. I'm going to play like a uh, criminal and I'm going to be the silent assassin that takes out all your faves pretty much. And 
it's we're in a very very interesting um spot in the season where we're at the fir- we're past the first phase of the game and there's a number of characters who have not at all referenced their previous season whatsoever uh those being kim nick sophie and tyson they've referenced they've played before in some cases that would be tyson has said yeah i I, survivor became my career 12 years ago kim nick and sophie have not in any way referenced the previous season that they were on where people on the flip side tony sarah yule natalie and danny have all referenced explicitly the season that they were on with the name and everything i think that's kind of an interesting um role that we're in is where like how much reference to the past is good how much of it is bad early on we were referencing all these flashbacks and how some characters have a flashback of their season already uh um, denise michelle etc we've got explicit flashbacks some people we don't have that I think it's an interesting wrinkle on this theme of like some people are explicitly referencing their previous season and some are not. Right. It is. I don't know if it manifests sort of the same way in other seasons. I feel like Game Changers, it was really sort of Sarah and Sarah alone being like, or I mean, there's more people, but Sarah really emphasized this is my past season. This is how I am now. Like, think about uh, maybe like a Sierra. Sierra wasn't saying, I was pretty quiet in Worlds Apart, but now I'm this big, I'm the sheriff. Or um, your Andrea's, sorry, I got it, got it a bit. But this season is much more about that. Even if there are people who haven't talked about it, um, you get points like Kim is so used to, she was on top in her in one world, but now she's completely on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Or Nick talking about how he's the most recent winner. Um, even in the people that's not explicitly showing up in, it's still very important to sort of reference their last season, which for all these people, I would imagine it was a good season. Like they won. So like it's something you them. want to, yeah, you want to reference and say, hey, I did good here. Here's how my game is different. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't. Um, yeah, if you sort of look at that list though, Sophie does sort of stand out as someone who really has been sort of distant from her season so yeah i 100% agree i think that's a good point yep which brings us to our next theme the idea of meat or perhaps nerd shields i think this took on an interesting role in this episode i think this can be a sticking point for a lot of our discussion moving forward tony in this episode is in in previous episodes is sort of the voice of meat shields good this episode he's like you know what tyson um like nick is a number but Tyson's a number and a shield. I want the number and the shield. So let's see if I can save him. That plan ultimately fails. Other characters in the season have referenced uh, meter nerd shields, specifically Sophie. Not going to lie. This episode makes me really, really nervous for some of the characters. I was really heavily as winners. Mm-hmm. I, I do think at least on this theme specifically, Sophie saying you is my shield. And then in Tyson's confessional, for him to mention those four and say Yule and then nail Nick and Wendell too. And then forget Sophie almost does lend some sort of credence to her read there. So I think that looks good. I I do see where you're coming from in terms of maybe a little worry for characters like Sophie. We'll get to that. But yeah, I think that's good. Obviously, Tony is the big example of this theme here with him explicitly saying Tyson would be my shield. I mean... (laughs) It, not anymore because he voted him out but we'll see what that means but yeah definitely a focus on that strategy here that's the thing is so far it isn't clear if hiding behind people is optimal strategy or maybe 
front and center is. And that just hasn't really made the turn yet. Mm-hmm. We're definitely in like the weird limbo zone where I'm starting way more to consider the people that I was like, oh, they're just a shield beforehand. Hmm. Interesting. I'm excited to see what you sort of mean by that. Next up, we have the idea that things will be hard, but you belong. This is the weird <laughs> speech that Jeff Probst went on uh, before drinking in episode one. <laughs> and now, I mean, it's a hundred percent a theme, right? Like the if you win, you win whole idea there with Robin, um, Michelle, right? I don't. I I think if anything, if I'm being um, the opti- pessimistic, I'm getting really worried. We're getting a quote unquote bad winner under traditional Survivor metrics this season because there's way, 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 way too much justifying. Well, everybody's a winner uh, as long as you get the jury votes. Hmm. I I definitely. See- see that i do think there is sort of a way this theme sort of presents as you had a bad first experience where people maybe didn't think you won but you really stepped it up this season and i think it could mean for a good winner for this season just through the scope of redemption as opposed to sort of a repeat win um i'm also just sort of seeing it as a general like in relation to people thinking about their past like ethan for example here like he obviously had a hard time but he was still able to do the task and get the fire token um it's just this example of even when things are hard you have a place here and you can do it and you're still a winner right yeah i think that is a big deal not gonna lie it makes this theme being so out there and so in your face makes me very worried we're getting a repeat of edge of extinction with an edge of extinction return you winning the game that could be the case as well. I mean, out with this episode, there's there's stuff to d- really discuss around that and, and given our mm-hmm. previous episodes. But yeah, I think that could be part of it too, especially with the entire production team sort of knowing the public isn't so hot on Edge of Extinction. So mm-hmm. what can they do to improve perceptions of it? Right, like if the winner of all winners, theoretically the most strategic um ultimate gameplay season of all time comes from somebody who goes voted out they're gonna have a really hard time justifying that and like i'm sure it pains jeff a little bit every day to have one of the primary narratives of the season be well michelle deserved her win and like absolutely deserved her win and no question because we know jeff probes isn't really a believer in that idea at all right like sure yep so that's the thing i i do think that there's a pretty high chance that in fact her winner is going to be someone who was voted out mm-hmm. i mean mm, not so sure but i see it i see the paths much more than i ever saw chris underwood i think <laughs> on to our last theme uh old school versus new players and the chaotic pace of the game and how that relates to a cult of personalities which i think is where i want to touch on for this theme um obviously we saw it in the tribal council sort of phase with everyone getting asked what do you think about these other people that you've watched and also seen them win and possibly been fans of so definitely a focus here i think it had gone quiet some of the episodes before but now to see it back i think there is something to the relationships between players as people they've watched or people they've idolized Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost like the idea of old school versus new school players actually isn't the style of play as much as the weird meta relationship of the fact that as kim says she watched a lot of these people in high school 
Um, Adam said, I idolize, um, like I idolize these people. Nick idolizes Tyson. Um, I think that's actually what it's getting at is that the difference between old school and new school players isn't necessarily some game philosophy. Isn't necessarily going fast or going slow because as we've seen, the old people can kind of hang, even though the first boots have all been, except Natalie, all been old school players, but take that with discretion i feel like it's old people can hang with the strategic game it's just there's this weird imbalance where these new players are fans of the old players but not vice versa um rob has no fandom or nervousness of being around michelle or jeremy or anything but they do Mm -hmm. on the reverse right and i think that's actually the story they're telling here is people like rob are a cult of personality partly because they played a long time ago so these people grew up loving them or in the the call tribal council they go through a lot of people nick and sarah and kim all talking about the people they are fans of and then they very explicitly ask sandra are you starstruck by anyone and it's just no yes so it is the sort of dichotomy between people who are the stars and the people who are among the stars 100 percent. i think best actually best encapsulated by what you said there with sandra saying Explicitly, but maybe next with Nick saying, "Yeah, my crush in high school was poverty." Like, mm-hmm. like that is, I feel like a huge indication of like that's the real relationship going on here. It's fans versus stars, and in a yeah. way that you wouldn't expect in all winners. Like somehow these winners who won and have been justified with a million dollars and title of soul survivor don't see themselves in the same caliber as the old players. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. Right. The last thing we have here is just this brew, like brewing war between Rob and Sandra, maybe Rob and Sandra's sides, ideas, whatever. And I do think that we saw a little bit of it this episode with Sandra basically saying like, I like revenge. Um, I want, like, I will go after people just for it. Uh, but I'll never let my emotions uh, ruin my game. I think that was kind of front and center in this episode with, I think Uh that's going to be very clearly, I feel like they're going to swap together. Right. It wasn't explicitly here. Like they didn't mention each other, but it feels really like it's brewing and something is going to come. We're just waiting for that to happen. Yes. So that's our stories here. Uh, We'll move here to edge of extinction and go on from there. So obviously edge of extinction had a huge chunk of uh, screen time in this episode, mixed results on how uh, successful that was. Mm-hmm. But I think we are in an interesting spot where all four of these characters got pretty substantial roles here on edge of extinction. So we will start with Amber. What did you make of Amber's content? I know you've been much higher on her in general than I have Joe. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still a fan. I think we talked about how, it was weird that all of these people got content when we know not all of them matter in the end. And I think Amber really benefits from that because she has been getting consistent content. And essentially it's just the same story we're going to hear every week. Uh, Rob's still in the game. So um, is it just an extension of that? Like what is Amber's larger purpose? But I'm always sort of shocked to see, and maybe it's just a general skepticism towards edge of extinction, people being able to win the game, but Amber's always really low on the lists and people's estimations, but I feel like you look at her edit and there's at least something there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so it's much more consistent than a lot of people in this game. Um, really a lovely character you're rooting for her in some extent. Yeah. I, great on Amber. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm 
Like, I think you, this episode, I actually started to think maybe you're right. Or maybe she's being used as a sort of metaphor for the potential that is lost from getting voted out. She's shown herself to be pretty adept, especially with understanding the relationships between people. In this episode, she pretty clearly says, Edge of Extinction bonds us together. And so I, I have a hard time thinking that that bond will ever get broken. It's justifying Edge of Extinction as a concept. And why? This is the b- biggest problem with Edge of Extinction. Coming into the season, people are like, why would winners ever give somebody who came back into the game the prize? Like, why would winners ever do that? And Amber kind of succinctly sums up why that happens. Because Edge of Extinction is kind of like a cult. If you <laughs> are voted out, which everybody except two pe- except three people will be, maybe four if you count Fire Making Loser, everybody except four people at most are voted out of the game. That means um 16 people are out there who have been voted out and if they're on edge of extinction they believe that they have a chance to win otherwise they would not be there not giving a chance to the edge of extinction returnee invalidates your own chance at winning the game if you stay there so why would you ever vote for like why would you ever hold that against them it would be a like a transactional agreement with yourself that you after you were voted out, you had no chance and you wasted 30 days on an island starving to death. Like mm-hmm. Amber summed that up in that confessional and that terrified me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just the, one of the more curious things about this season is going to be just following Amber, regardless of whether she wins or not, because with all this content, I just want to know what her purpose will be for this season. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It feels like a win, but I can also see it being, so many other things and so yeah i think that's part of it is that with her sort of talking about the strength of edge of extinction it really easily could not be her story but she just had the best um bit on it yeah in what she i said. agree with that so, yeah because i do think that amber is probably a very important character in this season for some reason with the way her story has been built she's kind of a main character mm-hmm. and whether that means she's kind of a metaphor for Edge of Extinction, if that means, like, she helps Rob do really, really well. We haven't seen that yet. So, like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Her, She's still a giant question mark as to where she's going. This episode honestly made me a little bit closer to your estimations of her. Still not quite as high as you, I don't think. But I don't think it would be crazy if Amber somehow won two All-Star seasons. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing, is, like, I, I get... Your skepticism. There's a lot of things that like why Amber isn't winning this season, but it also feels just from what we've seen, like there's something there and I'm just here for it. And I think a lot of people are just at least, and I I don't fault anyone for where they are. It's just, they have a sort of thought on Amber, what role she's playing. Now she's on the edge of extinction and it's really hard to sort of fluctuate there. So I think people are pretty consistent on what they believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's probably easier for me in coming episodes to knock her down as opposed to people who don't believe in Amber right now to bring her up because of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Because like, I also think with the content she's getting, I can't imagine what more would sort of lift her up for you. Basically, it'd be need to be like a like Ben Dreebergen style episode five, like this is my life story and this is why I should win Survivor. I would think, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She could grow for me. She has a lot more growth than a lot of, like I would put her above a substantial portion of this cast. I do <laughs> think that this week's boot puts a lot of um, rust on the idea of her coming back though. Right. Like I think Tyson's a, a very 
high chance of coming back in the game. And every high chance of coming back in the game is one of these people not coming back. Right. Which is inherently bad for them. And I think I would almost say she isn't in the top two of people who could, who I feel are coming back. So I agree with that, which is the problem. And which makes me think her, her story is important, but it's something else. Yeah. Cause I mean, Reem had a lot of content. She was there since the beginning, but it was just because she was sort of this ambassador for edge of extinction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Amber is almost that leader character. Like, Agreed. We'll get to Natalie. Natalie has a lot of strong content associated with Edge of Extinction, but she's not the like leader or foreman of Edge of Extinction in the way Amber is. I agree with that. Which I guess brings us to Danny. Who? Why did she have any content in this episode? Why? 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 It was bad and forgettable. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, I'm not convinced. I would say that is the thing about this segment is that even though I really loved it, ultimately it didn't sway the needle too much on anyone on Edge of Extinction, maybe hurt them a little. Uh, Danny, I don't know. Like, if she comes back and if she wins, I'm really sad. It's not It's not working for me. Are you saying I was right, Joe? Oh, right about what? You have a lot of thoughts about Danny, but right now. How yeah. bad Danny is? Uh, she did. She slow and studied that challenge, and she has a fire token because of it. So, can't falter for everything. I don't know. I think Danny is just showing over and over again that she was just she's just not a great player, including this. Like she doesn't like she doesn't even have the drive. She's just like, yeah, I'll go slow. Mm-hmm. If there's an extra price for winning, I don't need it. Yeah, it feels even though you can see that her strategy probably did work better or work okay. It's not something where you work better or worse. You either do it or you don't. It wasn't the edit certainly didn't say, wow, Danny really, really showed us up today. And she was right all along, which Mm -hmm. I think is what she needed. Yeah, I agree with that. Which brings us to Ethan, who, I mean, what a good coming out party on his extinction. He kind of justified his existence by it being brutal. It's a shame it was just, I mean, I guess not a shame, but he was dehydrated. He should take more breaks. So that was sad. It was happy to see him complete the task Mm -hmm. the moment where they all help him like i thought was a little cringy (laughs) i don't know like i want to say like i really like ethan he was one of my favorites maybe i'm the first winner i remember growing up with and i hate to say it i don't give a crap about his story right now um that's the thing right is like this episode was should have been like amazing for him like we were talking pre-show about whether if you give out double positives, do you give one to Ethan? And I was like, A, I don't give out double positives. B, I don't know if he deserved it because it was kind of like not that great. Like if Ethan's winning this, I'm surprised they were this subdued and the treatment here. Yeah, with how over the top inherently the like how over the top positive inherently this content is just like a description of what happened being so overtly over the top positive, like. Mm-hmm. The fact that he wasn't insanely over the top positive is really, really bad for his win chances. Because again, this is icon of Survivor. Ethan's on mm-hmm. in a like once in a lifetime moment, and he didn't get the rebalance beam treatment. Yeah, he got like say, yeah, yeah. It's pretty this, hard to climb those steps. It was a good scene, but as a landing on edge of extinction sort of episode, like we didn't get any sort of oh now i'm here and this was my goal and now i have to work harder anything we just sort of like i said we start with amber getting the box and then everyone just goes into this task and 
that's when Ethan really starts mm-hmm. to pick up on content. It's not for him having the most drastic sort of experience with this task. It doesn't feel like it was his episode primarily for Edge of Extinction. Agreed. And that's the thing is like, he, I feel like at this point, I don't think he's coming back into the game. I think his story is he wants to get back in the game so badly. How sad is it that he didn't? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, like that, like I was getting some goosebumps, not going to lie when he was like, I'm going to walk until I physically can't anymore because I love this game so much and I didn't come back for nothing. Like, why was that shown so muted? <laughs> Very weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe they thought just the raw uh, emotion of the content itself would be moving enough. But I do think that like Survivor's not that subtle. Like Survivor is usually like they, they bring out the horns and like the really powerful music for those moments. And it was mm-hmm. surprisingly quiet, surprisingly on its face content. Like it was just like, look how hard Ethan tried. Isn't that remarkable? End of story. Right. There wasn't any sort of, I mean, you had everyone walking with him at the end, but there wasn't any sort of like, wow, I know what Ethan's been through and this is important for him. I'm so shocked to see him from the other people. It was like, no, he was used as a poster boy for why Edge of Extinction jurors vote for Edge of Extinction people. Mm -hmm. It was like, Ethan is a good example of the camaraderie of Edge of Extinction. Right. It wasn't like his specific game as far as game goes on Edge of of Extinction. Yeah. Even uh, Chris Underwood in his season, right? He got, I'm going to intentionally make all these people like me so that maybe I don't even know how you get back in the game. But however that is, that I have a leg up on these people. Right. It was very specific to his own game, even when it was kind of general content, because he didn't know what he's talking about. They still tried to make it as connected to his game specifically as possible. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Natalie. And bef- I really, really want to hear a lot of... What was that? Um, I want to know what you thought about Natalie's content in this episode, because I've seen a whole lot of very hot takes here I'm particularly curious about what you think here. Um, I think this episode makes me feel better about Natalie returning in some context. I'm still very skeptical on the win. I think the strongest point is because we've had Natalie sort of succeeding in all the previous tasks. And this is one where everyone could succeed and everyone did. So there's that. But I think what was interesting is we obviously had this very harrowing moment medical literally comes out and it's so emotional and then natalie gets the scene right after where it's like i did this and all the emotion poured out of me and we get to see that moment too it felt like more than just you have to care about this person because they're the one winning all the edge of extinction stuff it felt like this is someone to legitimately care about i agree and there's so much second person visibility of Natalie is a machine. Look mm-hmm. at like carry seven things on her back and she's sprinting back and forth. She's a CrossFit trainer. Uh, like I know that her, like she's inspired. Like we got personal content. We got like all kinds of stuff all roped around in Natalie. Um, and I think the moment that really solidifies her is a serious character in this season. One, I mean, she's by far the most confessional. Like it's not even close at this point. She is the main character this season, like it or not. I think there's see, the weird thing to me is I feel like she almost almost certainly has to come back, right? I hope so. <laughs> if not, like screw the editors for like she does not need this much content if she's not coming back in a major way. Like this mm-hmm. to me 
justifies like a Rick Devon style. Like not only does she come back, but she comes back as by far the main character and most important person in the merch. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be that level to me. If not, I'll feel pretty cheated because why are we getting so much about her? But that's the weird thing is I don't get winter vibes at all. And I know a lot of my close friends that I trust quite a bit have basically said they cannot see anybody but Natalie winning. Hmm. I'm putting the brakes on hard on that because I don't see winner. We've got a surprising lack of emotion here, despite her having she literally breaks down in the middle of the lake crying. Or I, I'm Canadian, so I assume all bodies of water are lakes. I assume it is the ocean. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is just one big lake. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the ocean is just a big salty lake. But mm-hmm. yeah, like she literally breaks down, like bawling. And this is Natalie Anderson, like badass, like yells at John Rocker, like in your face, Natalie Anderson. Mm-hmm. And she breaks down in the middle of the ocean, literally, like like flailing, like. Is so raw and it's so powerful, and she doesn't explain what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. We just that go didn't back happen to, into the winter. Going back to Amber and Danny hauling logs, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, like maybe, maybe, like this is the only take I think that you could possibly have and still have her as like a solid winner contender. Is maybe she just didn't have nothing to say, like maybe she was just like, Yeah, I'm sad, okay, <laughs> or mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it, or whatever. That's the only take i think you can have is like she just cried and she didn't really know why but i still think you'd get like i'm speechless or right it's like even for who natalie is i think i trust her to have some sort of explanation for it, it might not be the best but like you can piece that together and there's just nothing mm-hmm. yeah and she think, definitely yeah. gives me the first returner vibes right or maybe this i don't I don't know if there's necessarily a first or second one, but um, I mean, I know there's a first and second one, but like edit, I guess to me, she reads like person who comes back in the game, but doesn't win for sure. And I think something that's always going to stick in my mind is her premiere, which is just sort of, I think if you think about how she's been on edge of extinction, like it feels like that premiere should have had a moment earlier where she talks about her sort of path through the game only for that not to come true and how she has to traverse this new other side of the game mm-hmm. and instead we don't get her until very late in the premiere and she gets voted out and i don't know that is kind of a weird thing though right like i mean chris underwood's content in episode one was not thin and episode two is okay actually his episode two was pretty good uh and then he was booted in episode three so like and that was also i guess not bad by boot episode standards but that's the weird thing is he didn't exactly have a great in the game edit that's but fair. His story was about reclaiming that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference here is Natalie talks about being sad she's not in the game or disappointed, but still having a chance. Mm-hmm. But never really crosses into when I get back in there. Like, I was excited in Edge of Extinction to see what Chris would do when he got back because I thought they actually built up like he had this whole idea of the perfect game and really like he had so many ideas he wanted to do. He just didn't get a chance to, I don't think Natalie has any of that um, upside really. Right. Um, So the last idea I want to talk about here on edge of extinction is complex tribe theory in edge of extinction. Pretty early on, I think we called the edge of extinction was in fact, the complex tribe of survivor 38 edge of extinction this season. 
I almost was ready to hang the um, Complex Tribal Ward to Edge of Extinction with some bad to call content last week, mixed to call content this week. It's pretty dang close to doing it. Not quite ready. I think I need to see a swap episode. But Edge of Extinction is really dang close to con- Complex Tribe. And Amber's confessional about how it brings them all together makes me really, really consider the idea that ed- the winner will be somebody voted out. Hmm. I don't know. I guess I've. The thing with 38 was that there were these really weird, like it seemed like neither tribe was complex. Mm-hmm. And so we are sort of like, well, maybe Edge of Extinction. Now, of course, it's a new concept at that time. Um, this one, I still have feel really strongly that Decal was complex in some way. Now, if they're leading up to someone from Decal who say wasn't on edge of extinction until the swap uh (laughs) that might be why but yeah edge of extinction especially with this episode we've seen each of these people even way more than we saw the first four in season 38 here on edge of extinction so for sure there may be something to that and that's the thing that's i think interesting is in episode one of edge of extinction the season the biggest trio formed were the like the first not like it's not first three but the first two and then big wendy when she came back like it was it was reem keith and wendy mm-hmm. it was the trio and we're like this is weird and then in hindsight it's like oh because their story is on edge of extinction and it's to justify it as the complex tribe this one you're right it is a little weird Decal is way more complex than Sele, which gives me a little bit of pause on... That's the one thing that gives me pause there. Mm-hmm. I'm declaring it, like, definitely Edge of Extinction. I would put it, Decal, 50% Edge of Extinction, 40% Sele, 10%. Mm-hmm. Which is, assuming uh, Complex Tribe Theory maintains to be the case. Again, I'm a believer in it, but if it stopped being the case, it would just stop being the case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm inclined to believe it. And so to me, I'm really putting an eye towards people that go to Edge of Extinction and are shown wanting, like, not letting go of their story. Right. No, no Danny's being proud of their fish. Exactly. That is the death. Mm-hmm. They need to be miserable that they're not still there. They need to be. Like that that's ultimately what Chris was, right? Like he he had that scene in the merge where he was sitting on a rock in the middle of the ocean. And mm-hmm. we're like and he's just like, I've had a great time here and I have an extinction, but it's just not enough for me. Like I have right. more ambitions and I have more dreams, and if I got back in there, I'd do so much better. Mm-hmm. And that's I think the key to winning on Edge of Extinction. Right. Cause if you think about Ethan, who like we weren't expecting him to go to Edge of Extinction, but his edit was like, yeah, there's content there. I think you look at this episode and say he had this really big event. He was he talked about overcoming it, but he didn't say I want to do more and overcome and get back into the game. Mm-hmm. It feels as close to closure as I think it could have been. I agree for like immediately entering and getting closure like. Up there mm-hmm. with Kelly Wentworth's almost like not quite that level where Kelly's just like literally staring off into the sunset, but right. pretty damn yeah. close, which I guess brings us here to the Sele tribe somehow flew out a win victory here. <laughs> and we start with the primary character on Sele. Adam Klein had such a weird episode this <laughs> um week. And I've seen a lot of people last week. We came out really, really hard against the idea 
of this being the exact same edit as him and Millennial Gen X, where people said, well, both times he was super negative, super positive, whatever. Um, he was super negative. They played a trick on us last time. Why couldn't they do it again? This week, they almost felt like they were playing a prank on us specifically, where <laughs> he brings up his mom in this episode. But I think, actually, yeah. So I'm going to leave it on that. And I want your take now, because I have a I really would, hot take here. I would say I was a little tricked. <laughs> I... After we sort of went on our tirade, I watched this episode and was like, I mean, there's way stronger contenders here, like a bunch of them. But like, he is getting so much content and there is sort of a mixture of, I'm not always against Adam, that like about the same feasibility as like Natalie. In that I don't really see it, but like I kind of get it. I don't know. And then when we were talking earlier, actually, and we sort of talked about how Adam gets a lot of content, but it's all running perpendicular to the themes of the season. That sort of made me be like, yeah, it's it's just a big character. It doesn't mean he's a winner contender. Yeah, I basically agree with what you're saying. A lot of people on my feed and timeline and everything like that have basically gone all in on Adam. And that surprises me more than everybody else that are kind of like the front runners a little bit, Um, because I have Adam pretty damn near the bottom of everybody in this whole season. And I'm going to try to talk about this as gently as I can. His story in this episode was about being a kid. It was very childish. It was he's hidden a thing on a tree and it drops on the ground. He's dropping sticks. He's um in the previous weeks, he fails to put his torch in the in the hole that holds the torches. There's been this whole like very childlike motif surrounding him. Obviously anybody who's seen Millennium vs. Gen X remembers how powerful his story was of this superhuman conflict that he had where his, he probably was going through the hardest time that anybody in the entire history of the game has ever had to go through while playing the game of survivor. His mom was super sick and he was really, really scared for her, but it was his dream to play survivor. And they, in my opinion, told a brilliant, sophisticated story. Again, Millennium vs. Gen X, one of the greatest seasons of Survivor of all time. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> they really threaded the needle there perfectly, where he's a little bit of a snob and a little bit of a villain, but he loves Survivor more than anything. And part of that is being a villain. And he's dealing with really tough time at home. And that's like, even right now, talking about it is making me like shaky and goosebumpy. But in this season, there's a lot of people being like, well, he got this powerful challenge content and followed by a confessional about his mom. Isn't that not a great example of a turnaround in his story? And I'm really sad to say, I think, no, I think that was the burial of him completely. He didn't mention the story. He just mentioned that his mom thought he was really great in grade there's a missing piece of context there that hasn't been mentioned at all in this season like that's the that was the underpinning of last time was he didn't know if he could be happy in any moment at all because he knew his mom was dying and he wasn't sure if he would ever see her again this time it's just a guy like any person who doesn't have a good memory of one first gen x thinks this guy's just talking about how his mom thinks he's a cool kid it's kids say this stuff my mom thinks i can do anything i can do it he didn't get the emotional um, 
content tied to it. And I think that's actually really terrible for his chances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that sort of adds it all up pretty well. As you're talking and as I'm thinking about it, you know who is giving me who I'm getting from Adam's edit right now? Who? Karishma. Yep. Yep. And Karishma sort of started off slower. Like, this is about the time she, like, sliced her hand and no one cared. But um, I think it's sort of this character where, hey, maybe they're not the greatest at the game. And, hey, they're certainly not winning. Like, it's almost at this point, they've already done enough for you to be like, what is the path where they win this game? Yeah, like, who could they beat in the end? But you still, you want to root for them. Like, there's still good points to Adam. Like, he is getting sort of screwed by Rob here in that his lie is working. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he's trying. It's not a very solid attempt to sort of scramble back into the majority. Um, But he's trying. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's these both sides. And it's sort of, it's a bizarre comparison to come out of nowhere. But, like. You really feel that sort of Karishma, like, it's a big character. And we've seen with a Karishma how I was on the Karishma train. I thought she could win this season. But you sort of think about it, and it's just a big character with complex content. Thankfully, to the editors, it doesn't mean they're winning. Mm -hmm. Like, you can have these big characters, and that's just what they're doing. They're giving us a big character, and um, we can enjoy it for all it's worth, but hey, they're probably not winning. And with different people, you're going to see that at different times. I certainly didn't see it until I couldn't anymore with Krishma. Um, Adam, I think we'll probably, I think maybe a bad swap episode might sort of dull some flames on him. Like, I think people would be like, oh, he doesn't matter in this tribe. So yeah, I sort of see it. But as long as he gets this attention, I think there's going to be some sort of attention from the fan base edgically on adam see i agree and i actually think this thing that ultimate unites them ultimately unites them is the idea that neither obviously okay adam won the game he's not a bad survivor player but um again marking against a bell curve he's getting the he wants to be a good survivor player so bad that he's not a good survivor player it's the same story as charisma Mm -hmm. She even has a confessional last season where she says, I wanted to be some jungle queen, but I'm not. I'm Karishma. Adam wanted to be Denise's jungle boy. He wanted to be the guy that was playing the middle and controlling everybody, but he's just not nearly as good at survivors. These other people he's outclassed and you're supposed to see that and see how, how flawed he is, but also appreciate how damn hard he's trying. Mm-hmm. And that's his story. Yeah. I would not be surprised if it gets much sadder and therefore much more compelling for adam going forward i agree i think he's our like train wreck but like he's a train wreck (laughs) that i think they might even use the complicated relationship the audience has with a character like this because they did that with Krishna, where they're like you're supposed to hate her right now don't you feel and then pull the rug under your legs and be like don't you feel bad for hating her Mm -hmm. like how hard she tried Um, right that's all you can expect. Mm-hmm. And that's the Adam that's the Adam experience, I think. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to Ben, someone I was really high on last week. I've been loving as a character. I think he's a lot of fun. I think Ben's showing a lot of why. Honestly, Ben's doing a good job showing why he won. Blunders, but has his eye on the prize no matter what. Mm-hmm. Or at least why he why he was able to coast through pre-merge mm-hmm. in yeah. Triple H. He just sort of fits in. Um he did make mistakes, but even now he is very he is very comfortable in the Sully tribe, I think, all the way through. Mm. So 
I really liked when he said like dog gamut Adam. Like <laughs> he's just got like this folksy energy that's all like pretty endearing. Um overall though, this was a bad episode, I think, for Ben. Um, but not terrible. Like Ben's one of these people that I think could win. It's just at the I think he's a long-term character versus a winner, but I still think that's pretty good. Like I can't imagine we're gonna be losing Ben anytime before the merge, and probably anytime before like final eight. I feel like he's pretty locked in there. It's just, I don't know where her story actually is going. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think Ben is a weird one because I've sort of come around to him. Like he's fairly high on my list, not a top contender by any means, but he does get consistent content, even when he's not sort of over the top and out there. The problem is that content is really starting to emphasize he wants Rob out and Parvati and it continues to not happen. So, I mean, he's always there. We always get a little bit of Ben in every episode, but it is this sort of tunnel vision. And I don't know if it's a good tunnel vision. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting point is at least according to our edgic chart, Ben is one of three or four people to not have an under the radar episode. That's a biggish deal. Mm hmm. He's somebody that has been a um, reputable narrator of the season. Right. You're right. He, his story is really intertwined with, intertwined with Boston Rob. But I guess there is a question, though, is if his story is eventually taking out Boston Rob, is that not a good thing? Yeah, I mean, that's the question. And I guess I maybe don't see into his longevity as much as you do. I think... There is a path for Ben to maybe go in the swap, or I think maybe as a merge boot even. I don't know. He just doesn't feel like he has the super long-term energy I thought he once did. I guess that's possible. So you've lowered on his longevity, raised on his chances, basically? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, that's not a bad take. I, If anything, I did the opposite. I think I've become more... I guess he's going far, but like we could use some personal content, buddy. Because he's mostly it, shown right. He's... Mm -hmm. that's the weird thing he's correct he has to get out rob he has to like adam is silly but he makes mistakes it's like he's right but he gets goes around it the wrong way mm -hmm. i also will say it's always a little um unsightly when like the marine is talking in very grotesque terms of like murder uh, as a survivor analogy i really like his content and like yeah i feel like he's a fun character he's justifying his purpose on the season way more than a lot of these people they're showing themselves to be kind of boring, <laughs> but like, like it's a, that's a little weird. Uh, like he's talking about hanging, uh, like Adam hanging people and stuff like that. Like it was, it's a little unsightly. I feel like that has some Canadian energy because as an True. American, I'm just like glossing by this. Like, yeah, I know violence. <laughs> True. True. Violence is banned in Canada. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's not, it's not a fantastic point, but it is like with all the war analogies. <laughs> well, sure. he's the, he's the Marine. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, like I could also, he could use more personal content for sure. It is. I guess it's hard when his winning season did have his very infamous, like amazing episode where he talks about who he is and who he was and why he's going to win. The season. So, yeah, I mean, listen to our intro bumper, like Ben hasn't had a scene like that yet. And so I have a hard time. They're not going to show him winning. I don't think without speaking to like the cause he cares so much about. Right. Especially, I think you told me what he did with his winning, where yeah. he gave back to veterans and stuff. Like, that's just like, that's the the content similar to his first season that we need. And I mean, we've not swapped yet. It could come. So, 
Yeah, and like, like, sorry, Ben has like kind of a beautiful life story too, where like he was a Marine and they got back and there was, he said like there's no jobs for him. So he was a, he worked at a grocery store when he was on last season of Survivor. Not that there's anything wrong with being like working at a grocery store, but like he's just not like what you'd expect to be working there where he's, he's a Marine. He's an accomplished military veteran. And like, that's kind of what he, what his story was in Triple H is like, like, the past terrifies you and you're scared to become who you really can be and survivors kind of giving me a chance to show who i am when i stopped believing in myself and we haven't got any of that this season which is not great for his winter chances mm-hmm. but i don't know i'm really like like becoming more and more of a fan of bad every week like he's a, he's really captivated when yeah he i would gets say chance i think i like him more as a character with this season than if i had just had triple h I mean, Triple H obviously has to sort of sour anyone who cares about the game because he really did just sort of bulldoze steamroll, if you will, to the end of that game. No, he didn't. (laughs) No one Uh, thinks that, Joe. Uh, So, yeah, we'll move here to Denise, who... Oops. (laughs) Who's who's Denise? Uh, Like, I think there's a lot of talk throughout very many people we have yet to talk about we've talked about adam about people you're either for or against i guess that's my amber um stuff like that denise is one of these people who i feel most everyone can agree probably isn't winning this right is not winning you said not winning at the bottom of your winner contender denise i don't know if she's last she's pretty close though yeah it's like i don't have her last i believe some people have less of a chance of winning than her, but <laughs> like, it's just not there. Yeah. Like if you're a Denise Stan, I feel for you. Like if you're Denise's family, I feel for you. Cause mm-hmm. she's not on the show when she is, she's shown a little dumb, not massively dumb, but just a little dumb. So she's not even like an over the top fun character. <laughs> not even like mm-hmm. something you can laugh about with your gal pals. It's like, Oh, she walked away with Adam one time and, um, feels feels kind of Aubrey game changers ish. I know I mm-hmm. keep comparing different people to that, but like it's just the sense of like they really didn't do anything wrong per se. I would say another comparison is Sierra from Worlds Apart. Like you can't really fault them for anything they did to make them lose the game, but they lost anyway. So yeah, it's like when, yeah we... when you're the Sierra in Worlds Apart, making a, an alliance of people that are super unlikable and season ruining. And you don't win. Like they're not giving you nothing because they're like, "Well, your strategy would have been brilliant if it worked, but it didn't." And so instead, you just ruined our season. Thanks a lot, Punk. Like, oh. Uh-huh. And yeah, you're right. Denise gives me that vibe. She has an idol, and I don't know if an idol's ever been less ceremonious than this one. Um, I feel like she probably has a fa- like she probably swaps with Ben at this point. She's Ben's sidekick. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, just a sidekick to people. Yeah, it feels. yeah. they defined Malcolm and Denise, and I think that's kind of her story, is maybe not being able to find one, or choosing between them, or something. Mm-hmm. Like, There's something there, like, that's her story, is, because that's the only thing they really defined from Philippines, is well, her tribe lost a lot, and she had a good ally named Malcolm. Um, And then Adam tried to be her Malcolm, and some inter- interpersonal drama with the whole idol find. Yeah. But I think that's her story, I think that moment is it's, um, her deciding between 
kind of which person to marry. Hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I think she probably swaps with one of them, but not both. Of them. Right. And I don't know if I have high hopes for her longevity either. No. Like, she feels very easily like a swap boot. She feels like over probably a swap boot. But almost in that, like, Allison Raybould sense where it's like, I don't know where she fits in. And it's that's it. It's is this sort of niche of like under edited. I don't know how they fit in, but they seem okay. They're just not winning. (laughs) Yeah. Like the one who, after the season, the retrospectives are like, Oh yeah, she actually played pretty well. Mm -hmm. Totally would have won if she made the end. Shame. She came sixth. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. I could a hundred percent see that. And and poor Denise. Uh, Hopefully she had fun out there. Yeah. I mean, I like her moments and I think, I think she's playing pretty well. It's just, (laughs) Not she wasn't season. even shown in the challenge. Like she was like edited out of the challenge. Yeah, she had one attempt, which hey, if she failed a lot, like that's good for her, I guess. But it was also like Adam's moment. Like mm-hmm. Adam's moment of win and you're in or you lose and we vote you out. So Yep. I guess that brings us to Jeremy. I'm every week raising a one percent ish on Jeremy. Um I think it's very clear he might be playing the best game, and I think he's making a good case for him being a great survivor player. Again. His number one ally got voted out day one or yeah, like day two, I guess. And he is now completely in control of the tribe. I think it's very clear. People are coming to him. Rob and Adam are going to him to navigate the game. Michelle, I think, is probably more likely to win of the two, but they're a very clear established duo. Yeah, and it's like if you if this tribe played Survivor until there was only one person left, I think it would be Jeremy. Mm-hmm. But like edit wise, I've always been skeptical on Jeremy. But yeah, I think he's playing the best mm-hmm. of this group. Yeah, like he's clearly playing really well. People talk about go talk to Jeremy. Rob says to Parvati, well, I could just go tell Jeremy this. And then Adam's sunk like he's buried. Right. That's how like Jeremy is. And this is probably why he's not winning is he's being shown as like, he, I guess he could be getting shown just like he was in Cambodia as like the Godfather, but he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't really seen a bonding scene of why Jeremy Mich- necessarily. There's a lot of weird things like that, which kind of hurt his win equity. But if they just love all the other characters and Jeremy wins, I could see this being his winner story and they just bring him up to more prominence later. It's just, again, if he was on the other tribe, I would pick him pretty high to me. It's just like, if he's on that, he could win. But it'd probably be Michelle instead if it's going to be one of them. But I'm not 100% sold on that conviction. Yeah, I think, like, I guess technically the pieces are there, but I just don't see it for him. I'm curious to see what a swap episode looks like. I think that yeah, he might, could go far. That might raise him in some people's estimations, but if he has a pretty bad one, like, mm-hmm. hmm. he's on life support. Like, he needs a really, really good swap episode. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if it'll come because I think at this point, I think there's more stock in Michelle's edit than there is Jeremy. Sure. Which I guess brings us to Michelle. Yes. I One of the more fascinating stories of this season. Mm-hmm. They've really made her story about proving herself, about the rocky reputation she got there. And every week we get something, just a little bit, sometimes a lot, that justifies her as a winner and as a player. Right. Michelle is going far in this game. I think this episode confirms it. Yeah, Michelle's uh, someone I have up there for longevity. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty skeptical on most people, but Michelle. I just wouldn't seems... be surprised if she's like I'm almost ready to make her a finale prediction boot. Hmm. Like in the final six. Again, I don't know if that makes her a winner. I actually have her kind of low on 
hard because I do think her story is about proving herself as a player, but not winning. I think last episode I had her fifth, but not strong enough to consider her as an actual contender because I just didn't know what the story was. Was it ending here? And I think this episode pushed her over to where I I'll put her as a contender because it is this continuation of we need to focus on Michelle because she's proving herself and she's important to the season. I still don't know if I feel like this Robin Michelle scene could be the end of her story still. I don't think it's necessarily as big a boost, but I think it's something to focus on. Yeah. And I mean, also hats off to Michelle for, I mean, playing pretty well. I think Jeremy's mm-hmm. maybe outclassing her a little bit, but I mean, it's Jeremy Collins and. I don't think anyone would be like, well, it's either Michelle or Jeremy for playing the best on this tribe looking at it mm-hmm. like yeah. before the season. And I think it really is a race between those two. And Michelle gets more credit for the important stuff. I don't know. I feel like they swap away from each other and Michelle proves herself on her that tribe. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're right. It could be the end of her story. I'm going to make the bold take and say that, yeah, she will make it very, very far in this game and pro- might even be the last selling member. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And I always get... I think caught in this trap where I pick one tribe as the complex tribe. And then I'm like, well, all of the other tribe is doomed. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of my hesitation on Michelle, but I do feel very strongly about her going far, at least maybe more than any other Sele. Yeah, and honestly, sure. modern survivor hasn't really had like a tribe blowout in modern times. Like even last season, like Dean's in the end and like, like stuff like that, like mm-hmm. even Pagongings, they usually don't seem to, eradicate the other tribe in a very very long time right so yeah that's michelle watch out for her a good swap episode could be very good for her i think the next time on was very interesting for her yeah i'm excited to know who michelle's i think it's very like metaphorical hopefully (laughs) i don't know how her actual ex-boyfriend comes on here but oh i know okay i know who it is i won't say because i'm sure a lot of people don't but is it a literal ex-boyfriend yeah yeah it's a literal ex-boyfriend yeah Oh, I didn't know that existed. So yeah. I, will be su- I will be surprised, I guess. As- yeah, I won't spoil that because I mean, I-, I have no. I thought she was going to be like, this person is these qualities. How did I get trapped with my ex boyfriend? So I guess it theoretically could be that, but she did date somebody. Yes. Hmm. So <laughs> I'm thinking it's more than likely literal. Um. But yeah, so that's Literally. Michelle. Yeah, you, it's it's easy to find the information if you if you want to find sure. it. Um, uh, I might keep it as a. Surprise. It was never confirmed. It was just like they were too. They were clearly flirting a lot on Instagram and stuff like that, like two years ago. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, that brings us to poverty. An interesting turn in her story. I feel like she has made the swap. What that means for her, I'm not 100 percent sure. We know Nick had a crush on her. We know Rob really likes her. We know oh, Denise really likes her. I think that'll be important. I do think that Denise will swap with poverty that would be my prediction i'm not sure where she's going she had an amazing premiere since then hasn't been as front and center as you'd expect but still pretty important overall uh not mm-hmm. in this episode but that's i don't really know where she's going i feel like she'll she's gonna go surprisingly far yeah i guess i hadn't thought until you said she's making those off i was like oh like then where does she fit in because i mean i've been predicting poverty to be booted since the dawn of time so um hmm, i don't know i think she's sort of very nebulous as to where she could go because her story Mm -hmm. really has been tied to rob very strongly and i i think you're right in that she's not swapping with him but where does that leave her 
Like, what mm-hmm. is the new part of the story? That's the thing is, right now, she's... Like, we really haven't seen part two of her story. I think it's coming. It just... Mm-hmm. She's the one I think I'm the most, like, on the fence of, like, okay, well, we'll see what happens with Swap. She could be a long-term character. She kind of has the foundation for it, but she also has the foundation for, like, pre-merge boot. Hmm. She's sort of in limbo. I definitely don't think she's our winner, though. Agreed. I think if you think about sort of what I've been saying with Parvati is for all the time she was a decoy boot, she was never given agency, never shown talking to pretty much anyone but Rob and Ethan. And mm-hmm. now that we're at a swap, for her to have never sort of reached out to, I guess let's be generous and say she talked to Adam a little bit, the other, the f- majority on this tribe is shocking. Especially yeah. when I think she liked or Denise liked her and there was something there or stuff like that. It's just not a great look. Even even if you consider that Parvati has had these quieter pre-merges when she makes it to the end. I mm. think this was too too subdued. 100% agree. I wish she was on the TV more. She is mm-hmm. the best. Which brings us to Rob, who does not have that problem. <laughs> now, the weird thing with Rob, he, like, again, this is a survivor icon. Uh, it's Boston Rob. I'm... Starting to become more high on him because he is hitting all the themes very well. Um, he has Amber there on Edge of Extinction. He has adversaries in Ben. He has adversaries in Sandra. And I wouldn't be 100% surprised if he beats them. So, I don't know. I think Rob might somehow make the merge. Yeah, I think so. Which I think is nuts. I think there might be a scenario where the Swap Tribe does take out Sandra first and then goes for Rob. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I guess like, so Rob has never been a juror, right? No. So Joe, do you think that in this season we'll see Boston Rob the juror first time? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Edge of extinctions. All the jury. (laughs) Ah, that ruins my question. Well, I mean, he could have made the finals, but true, true. But I almost think if he's making the finals, even Given the state of the game, I think he would win it. So yeah. It's like, that's kind of the weird. It's like weird to imagine given what we've seen in Endgame where Rob has made the finals and win. Yeah. Imagine if Rob doesn't. Like, what if the story is Rob brings Michelle to the end and that scene is meant to symbolize her beating him or some weird <laughs> like that? Like, I couldn't imagine if he not, doesn't win. Like, what would have to have, have happened for Rob to make the end and not win? Or like Amber beats him again yeah that'd be funny that would be very funny again not very likely and also if that happens probably rigged um <laughs> like, don't hold it against them but this i don't know rob is such a fun character i really like every week i become more and more impressed with rob he's so good at this game like being like yeah let's throw adam under the bus he does it at the perfect time he doesn't really lie before mm-hmm. he's like now's the time to lie and because of that, it really works. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was brilliant. I think Rob is really, really showing why he one of the icons. And yeah, I think this is a game changer. He's showing, hey, nerds on the internet, look, I am that good. Haha. Mm-hmm. Like he wrote the book, like Rules of Survivor, right? Yeah. Like I, he's showing at least why he has the credentials to make that book. For sure. Yeah. Like, like at least verifying his status at the top of the card right because i think i think before this all stars was maybe his strongest example of him as a good player like yes redemption island but like also redemption island i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but yeah this is showing 
he he has tactics and he has moves and he can definitely play this game. And they've really not shied away from showing how impressive they are. Like, mm-hmm. look at this one moment that he does. Like, how special that is. Most people can't do that. Most people can't play the middle. Most people can't. They've done a good job of that. And I think also just, like, his wisdom, where he is, like... Like, you wouldn't think Rob would be the one that would be so kind about Michelle's win. Right, for sure. he is one of the, like, Rob final... I guess it was to his wife, but certainly he has some appreciation for him beating... For her beating him, but... Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like usually you think of it, like... Russell hates Natalie White and like yeah it's it's cool that he has such a mature view it's like yeah if you good job mm-hmm. so that's the Sully tribe that's the Sully tribe on to Dakal Kim who got a vote is on this season <laughs> Kim who just is the third wheel to Sarah and Tyson mm-hmm. poor Kim oh poor Kim she's bottom of my list Rip yeah queen. um just it's not about her <laughs> like this episode should have at least in some way been like. How did Kim not be any sort of target? I mean, she got a vote, but she wasn't. It was Nick versus Tyson. Uh, how? What is happening with Kim and Sophie's split idol? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim is theoretically an important member in this um, vote. I would say she would be the swing if it were her winning. Mm-hmm. And she is basically invisible. Yeah, pretty dang close to invisible. <laughs> um, that's it's so wild. Like she's I don't think they could show her worse at this point. Like there was, I agree, that doubt early on. Like maybe they're doing something clever. Yeah. I at one point had Kim fourth in my contenders. Yeah, like I feel like that's <laughs> the one to look back on and be like, ooh. I was my big line was you may be low on Kim now, but just wait a few episodes. You'll see. I saw. Um, we all saw. We all saw nothing. <laughs> like, just think about it. She really has not got content since she gave Sophie the idol and got yep. dunked on. Like, literally, it was nothing, nothing, nothing. Look, I'm here. Nothing, nothing. Look, I found an idol. I'm gonna give it to Sophie. Sophie, this is the dumbest thing in this entire history. <laughs> Kim gets no reference to it. So yeah. bad. Huh. So we swap, and we don't know if she even has it. Means she's swapping with Sophie. Maybe. I don't know. Or she doesn't, and it's like, oh my goodness, I swapped away from Sophie. She has half my idol. I need to reunite with her. Either way, I think she's walking into a truck with Sophie. She has no chance. Yeah. Like zero. Like give me Danny over Kim. Oh, for sure. How that's sad like, is that? that's so scary to say. Like, I mean, she's lower than Nick for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick, who was having a legitimately terrible string of episodes. I mean, it probably, it, we'll talk about it. It probably hasn't ended. But like, yeah, Kim is not not doing great. And it's it's a shame because I still I still love her. And I savor every moment I get of her. Like when yeah, she's, she's starstruck just... over, like Kim Spradlin is apparently starstruck over people. That's pretty cool. But that's over Sarah Lucina. <laughs> who played after her. <laughs> That was very funny. Sarah deserves uh, a lot of credit for being actually very fun this episode. Something right. Kim was not. Right. Like, poor Kim. I don't know. Like, this season seems to be trying to, like, undermine her legacy. Like, if mm-hmm. it's part of this story is, hey, Michelle deserved to win. If you win, you win. It's almost like, and also, Kim really isn't that good, guys. <laughs> Is like an undercurrent of the season. I don't know if that's true necessarily, but yeah, her know. chopping that coconut though. Whoa, that was intense. 
fierce. Yeah. Like you get why she can win a jury vote just from that alone. Um, <laughs> is relentless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Kim is, I just honestly, all I hope for is she's more than Troy Zan. Cause her edit right now is literally Troy Zan's edit with almost no deviation whatsoever. Right. And I just, it's like finds an idol. Everyone hates him. Doesn't use it until super far. Um, and complete non-factor. Like mm-hmm. everyone doesn't want to work with him. Maybe Sarah Lucino will want to work with him or work with Kim. Um, but you'd almost swap. Yeah, you'd almost think like you'd see the Sarah Kim scenes instead of the Sarah Tyson scenes. Yes. Or whoever the winner is being like, you know what? Everyone hates Kim. Let's use her. <laughs> like that's That was the Sarah Troisian scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I would not have expected Kim to be. But wow, we suck at picking winner picks because next up we got Nick. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just above Kim on my list. Yep, yep. So bad. Because from what I can tell, this was all him. Like, he took out his idol in Tyson. We heard nothing about it. We didn't even hear that he had an idol. Like, uh, someone he idolized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't hear any of his perspective, really. Other mm-hmm. than, oh, I'm getting voted. Better vote Tyson. It was, it was even shocking, like, when he goes to vote Kim. Like, I was like, oh, are you out of the loop? And you, like, didn't get it? Like, and he explains it in that moment. I'm still like, hmm. But, yeah, even this episode, I mean, we've seen Nick painted as a lazy person who doesn't do anything at camp before, and he still won. But to see it here again is really not good. Especially when I think there's a important theme tied to this season about that, where mm. there wasn't in David versus Goliath so much. Yeah, I think at this point, it's very clear that like Nick's probably just like one of the worst camp people of all time. Where <laughs> in multiple seasons he's getting targeted for doing nothing at camp. Like, mm-hmm. like pick up some sticks, dude. Look at Adam. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Nick has no story at all <laughs> other than being in the pregame alliance with Yule. Um, right. He's gonna just hope to God that he swaps with Yule. I don't think he does, but I think he goes far because of Yule. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I still have a lot of faith in this four. I think, same. like, I think they're all they're all pretty safe until the merge. I agree. So it's very honestly, it's very um, it, it's very Andrea in Game Changers, where it's just like she's aligned with Sarah. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's all I got on Nick. Right, we're just creeping up my list now because next is Sandra, and she's solidly eighteenth. <laughs> um this is not sandra's winner <laughs> like yeah like who did sandra the... piss off in production <laughs> like this is like a textbook example of i don't care about gameplay i'm doing this i like revenge like if anything the title is maybe biased but it's meant to make you think sandra did something wrong mm-hmm. and yeah i mean this with the sort of inconsistent we see we've seen before it's just not her season to win yeah this episode was pretty much edited like how sand like the one where sandra makes a really dumb stupid mistake that she should have seen coming right like how sandra with all the information and we show like the one thing they made consistent in the, this two episode series was Everything Sandra knows and how obviously of the right choice it was to keep Tyson and her not do it and be solely responsible for it not happening. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. It's so bad. I would honestly, <laughs> I actually have her below Kim and Nick. There's no way she wins at all. Zero percent, like negative five percent. 
Um, it's like a redemption tour and it needs to start immediately. <laughs> yeah, she literally needs like CPP5 every single episode from here on with very clear directives and stories. And to me, it's so obvious she is losing this Boston because somehow our two-time winner is being shown like she can't read the game of Survivor at all. Like she's being shown incompetent. Yeah, you know, like this might surprise you coming from me, but like Sandra, not not a great game player. Like essentially what I learned from this episode is if that I tell her a plan and she's like, yeah, as long as it isn't me, you're lying to me. Yeah. Because all she says is, as long as it isn't me, whenever. She said it like five times. And then she's always lying because it's always to Tyson. Yeah. Or like associated. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't like if Game Changers was look a lot of like it's been a debate whether she's good or not. Look, she actually is pretty good. The season's <laughs> well, just kidding. Um, well, I mean, her strength might be in then getting out of something or at least almost getting out of it. But when she's playing from, I guess, a position of power, not not great. <laughs> yeah, like she has she misreads everything. Tyson comes up to her and we see he's telling the truth. He, we see that Tyson has correctly pegged the ta- power alliance like and she's like, mm, I don't know about that. Like, oh, so <laughs> this is what Sandra looks like when she doesn't win it's like i don't know like you you can get a lot of um like how do you put it like oomph behind somebody when they see through the person that's lying right that's <clears throat> heroes versus villains she's the one who sees through russell but when it turns out she kind of just treats everybody like that and you're like oh well when you quote unquote see through somebody with heavy fake sarcastic quotation marks you're not really seeing through everybody you're just saying that to cover your tracks and you really are not doing anything um like you're playing against your own interest this is a terrible season for sandra we probably mm-hmm. should have seen it coming with uh island of the idol kind of showing her wrong all the time right yeah a lot of people have been linking back to that and i'm just i guess it is an interesting case where they were shown in this season before, but I don't know. I'm skeptical to link them. Same. I mean, we're clearly seeing just on this own. Like, I can look at this season without Island of the Isles and be like, oh, Sandra, not great. <laughs> so, yeah, if anything, like, honestly, Sandra probably shouldn't have signed up. Like, I don't think you could have got better than Game Changers showing how great she is because this is a bad look. She misreads all the plans, she misreads everybody. She gets lied to, believes it, she gets told the truth. She disbelieves it Mm -hmm. she just has a bad read sucks Mm -hmm. probably i think she's leaving very soon oh yeah which yeah poor sandra now to me this is the most interesting one of everybody we're going to talk about this brings us to former criminal former cop current cop sarah lucina current goofball current goofball at this point last week i was very very low on i was like you know what she's probably going far but i don't think she has a chance in hell at winning Mm mm-hmm now, with all this content, Sarah has now emerged again, kind of in that Jeremy spot. It's one of the few characters that we've turned to every single episode in some capacity for content. Um, I thought her premiere wasn't great. She basically just says, I'm the most recent female one. And last time I played kind of brutal. And this time I'm going to just try to have fun. But last week, she got that cool mission. She got a killer relationship with Tony. Now she has a killer relationship with Tyson, who's gone for now <laughs> spoiler alert um i just think that 
Sarah, at this point, I have completely um, reverted to being like, you know what? I think counting her out is actually kind of irresponsible. She has game content. She has personal content. She has relationships. She's almost got everything you need. It's just not quite enough. But when you look at like how much she talks, she is there a lot. She gets her perspective shown. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's doing a whole lot better than I thought. Yeah, I think I'm I'm that I'm a little bit lower, but I feel the same. I think there is this interesting case where, especially with this episode, we're seeing a lot of Sarah social time. Like we saw her doing some bonding in the premiere, which it was a week premiere. And I think we sort of looked at the premiere and been like, this isn't Sarah's season to win. But every episode after that has been very kind to Sarah in terms of her making bonds and such. So yeah, she's by no means a top contender for me, but definitely back on my watch list, I guess. Yep, I agree. And I honestly think Tony, because to me, I've always been like, okay, well, Tony, the be- Tony's going to be the winner of the two. And that I just can't really consider Sarah. This episode threw that into flux for me. And it was a good enough episode for Sarah and a bad enough episode for Tony that to me, they're much closer now than they were before. I still have Tony above Sarah and I still have Sarah basically second tier. But that's a whole lot better than I was basically considering her drawing dead last week. Mm-hmm. This was a really good episode for her and really her content hasn't been bad. And if her story this time is how she became nice and they're showing her social game, it's probably not bad for her. Um, and again, I think the fact that Tyson left in this episode either means that they just thought that was the pinnacle of television that they could extract from the episode <laughs> or which, I mean, it was kind of funny. It but, was very good. Or it probably plays a pretty important role moving forward, probably meaning they reunite. She says he is her favorite person. Well, they're being jokesters though. Yeah. I think, yes, it is an important scene. I just think it's more important for Tyson. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. <laughs> I think at the very least, Sarah is honestly like, Tyson like Tyson and Tony are maybe my top two and Sarah's the one who links them and she still has good content on her own I feel like it would be very stupid to not consider her a pretty dang possible winner contender because of that yeah yeah I was gonna say I think a big issue is this weird (laughs) how she built up this sort of pairing with Tyson and it dissolves in the same episode theoretically like that even seems a little a little like obvious for Survivor to be like oh, here's a pairing, but oh, it doesn't matter anymore, but there's Edge of Extinction, so. Yeah, it was almost too on your nose, I agree. So I guess that's, it's not great for Sarah or Tyson, but also, like, it is because it is this bond that we're supposed to pay attention to. I don't know, Sarah is definitely back on my radar, and I had her very, very low last episode. I was not about that uh, sneaking into the other camp scene, but now I'm like, this is a consistent pattern. And if you sort of forgive a bad premiere, which that happens sometimes, I think it could be maybe hers. Yeah. And she still referenced her previous season. She still it told people she was here. Mm-hmm. She had a not great premiere, but it wasn't terrible. Right. Sure. So I don't know. That's something. I don't have a whole lot other to say on Sarah, other than she does hit a lot of the themes in a weird way. Tony and Tyson, Tyson can be her, are kind of her goofy shields, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think she's probably just a really important character. Like she might be like the kingmaker, hmm. where we saw Tyson and Tony fight early on and them target each other, and then in this episode agree 
never mind, we'll protect each other. Kind of honestly gives me a lot of Rick Devins and uh, Chris Underwood vibes, where that was kind of their story, right? Like they were enemies, or well, they were friends, enemies, friends, enemies, friends. Chris wins, right? Um, like that's how that season worked, and I would not be surprised at all if they are so intertwined and. Sarah's kind of there along for the ride with them is sort of a, mm-hmm. a kingmaker between the two sides. Yeah. Cool. Amazing that, that she was the like so funny. <laughs> like, why is she so funny? She is really, really funny. Like, like, this is what you heard in the postseason of Game Changers, where everyone's like, yeah, I'm surprised they just showed her, like, so matter of fact, because she's really, really funny. Like, we loved her. Sarah's the funniest person you'll ever meet. And everyone's like, what? Sarah? <laughs> She doesn't seem like she's laughed before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, on to Sophie. Uh, this is an interesting episode for Sophie Clark. Yeah, she describes Edge of Extinction as like a prison. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but this gave me a whole lot of Julie Rosenberg vibes. Oh, explain that more. So Julie Rosenberg gave so many confessionals about how Edge of Extinction is her nightmare. Because she's just a... Uh, older lady who peed in Central Park one time, but uh, never been much of a explorer and how she would never want to go to Edge of Extinction. And that kind of became her story in this season. And that ultimately is her Edge of Extin- or, uh, Final Travel Council speech as well. Sophie is like Edge of Extinction. Also, I guess brief side note, why can they see Edge of Extinction from their tribe? That's so <laughs> stupid. That's so poorly planned. How? Like, oh my god! One only one tribe can see them too. Like, okay, yeah. is it only one tribe? I, I need to know more details. Yeah, like, like we need more world building. Like, what is like? How clearly can they see? I feel like they can see if that mask goes up ever. <laughs> like that's for it sure. It looked pretty close. Like, like it looked like they could probably walk and say hi. Um, oh yeah, like I think you could swim and not probably die. Yeah, maybe not get attacked by sharks. Yeah, <laughs> so that's something. But yeah, I don't know about you, Joe. Last week, I think we both agreed she was. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get skeptical. Me too. <laughs> this was not a good episode for her. No. Uh, as bad. I mean, Kim. We knew. Not discussing that idol was bad for her, but like there were other things going on. Sophie also not discussing that makes me worried. Mm, disagree there. I do think it's fine because the last we checked in with that story was her saying, I'm the devil. She made a horrible choice not giving it to Tyson. <laughs> we saw that play out. So the last time that we checked in with the story is still her like we we need a response from kim sophie gave her debate point and kim just hasn't had a response yet i think that's fine Uh, but i think if well it's hard because kim wasn't a target but i think i don't know maybe you're right it just feels like if sophie were a winner and she would touch on this advantage she has here but this season has in general been like slight on everyone regarding their advantages Mm -hmm. like Sarah she can't talk. really do anything with it. Right. Sarah didn't talk about her steal of vote. Denise hasn't really talked about her idol. Jeremy never talks about his advantage. Mm-hmm. So I, they don't have time. They're, they're just relying on those the bottom third too much to tell us what they have. Maybe I don't know. I think that's probably true. I don't know. To me, my problem with Sophie here is one. Actually, I, I'll go on a positive here for the fact that she told. Like in a confessional, she said Kim should have given this to Tyson and Tyson leaving in the next episode, maybe the one after that. Good for Sophie. 
Like she clearly outlines, yeah, you should have given it to Tyson, and we see why because Tyson mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and Kim gets split on. Like pretty big deal. Additionally, I do think there's like I think her Edge of Extinction content was actually pretty good. Like she's like, wow, that's scary. I went to a prison when I was in high school or whatever. And the problem is it does over justify edge of extinction. Still kind of pits her against it. Mm -hmm. Very Julie Rosenberg. But I think the ultimate thing against her is that Tyson says, wait, who? (laughs) I can't even remember her name. That's how under the radar she is. Like I've said earlier, I think that's good for her. Oh, it's the Tommy treatment. Well, it's just like, I mean, Tyson's confessional works out where he does eventually remember her. But so she is mentioned, but it does sort of play into her strategy of Yule being her shield, I think. True. So I don't think it's terrible. I think, I don't know, there is sort of a general lowering of this four, because I think this four has looked relatively strong. And Nick aside, but like each of them has their ups and downs. Sophie's looked very good. This episode, with its treatment of that alliance of four, sort of just lowers me in general on all of them, I think, because they're oh. not. They're not shown as a force. Like it's you on his lackeys. No, I'm almost saying like I think ideally we would have got a thing from them saying, okay, us four are doing this. And I guess we did get that with Yule. Yule talks about Yule actually, I did want to bring up a point about Yule's confessional here with Sophie. Is he at the very beginning, it's all sunshiny and like we're happy, we're here, I have my alliance. And he names them and I'm no editing professional. But it feels like Sophie's name is tacked on there. And I thought that as well. <laughs> so I felt that was important. No, I agree. And I feel like this little section I've sounded too low on Sophie. She's still in my top five. Oh, she's still third for me. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Same same here. And to it's me, like still contentious between her and the two above her, I would say. Agreed. Like she went from strong number one with a bullet to mm-hmm. three. That's still really good. Right. And you're right. Like stuff like that's good. And kind of we take the Tommy principle of the season is showing us that he is the best player on the season, but then they tell us he's a perennial underdog. It's like, well, those things don't match. And so they're probably just doing a really bad job of showing how he's an underdog because they want to justify how cool he is. It's kind of what they're doing with Sophie. Like mm-hmm. Tyson being like, I don't even know who she is. When we've seen her refer to herself as the devil, play Kim Spradlin, um, hide behind Yule, masterfully pull off strategy. Like, that is at odds with not even knowing who she is. That's how under the radar she is. She has not been under the radar. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to kind of like throw doubt on her. Yeah, I, I just complicated. I just I think this episode definitely gave me doubts in her for the first time. And it's not like a very well placed doubt. Like, I don't know, because doubt is, I think, a part of winner's stories, but there's no reason to doubt Sophie at this point, I feel. Agreed. And I think that's what maybe hurts her the most. And I think the other thing for me is, for me, how good Tyson, or sorry, how good Yule looked in this episode, where he says, like, sure, uh, going to tribal is important, but to me, it's about, and actually, that's something we should have brought up with the um, theme of utility as relationships were. Well, I think that all the times when we win is just as important as when we don't for building alliances. Hmm. Right. Like, I think that's pretty important. And I think Sophie, I still think that four is really strong. I actually went, they go 
really, really far. So I don't know. This just gave me a little bit of pause on her specifically as the winner. I still think she's very far and still a high chance at winning. Mm -hmm. Cool. That brings us to Tony. I also don't think this was a particularly good episode for Tony. I'm curious on that. I heard you say that earlier and I was honestly shocked. (laughs) It's a weird one because he was totally shown as right, right? Yes, but also in the end, wrong. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that's that's ultimately the question. Like, Edge of Extinction screws with basic logic because maybe he wasn't wrong. Um, you know what I mean? Like, maybe Tyson does end up being an important number for him. Just not yet. And we see him really kick into Kagyan Tony mode where he's like, oh, no, I'm going to make sure that this move goes through. And for somebody who has been a character until now he really just stepped into the gameplay mode so fast as a character and it made sense and i think that's a sign for how good his edit is right like it didn't feel weird that he took the reins here on the strategy and you didn't doubt him like normally if Mm -hmm. um chris noble or whatever a similar-ish character is like i'm gonna pull off this giant blindside you expect it to fail because his foundation doesn't build up to credibility. Tony for all, all said and done is pretty credible. And at this point, I actually think this season is going to be the season of Yule group versus Tony's group. And it's going to be a chess match between those two. I don't know if that means one of them's going to win. That's my problem is they're so out in the front now at this point. I don't know if the episode a hundred percent sided on whether Tony correctly identified that he needed Tyson number or if, and he just Sandra screwed up or if he failed to get his plan in motion, it's one of those two. And it just makes it really hard because it depends on if Tyson comes back at the merge or not. Hmm. I guess my big takeaway is, I mean, it's obviously we'll get to Tyson later. I think we've talked about how Tyson was shown as extremely right. Like, nailing that alliance of four Mm -hmm. tony was then shown as having the right idea and keeping tyson as a shield breaking up that four and very strongly wanted that to happen it's a matter of is it okay for his eventual vote to contradict his plan and i think right now yes because it was sort of shown as Sandra won't budge. Mm-hmm. And I, by all means, want to do this, but Sandra just won't let it happen. And so I come out of this episode. I mean, I've been lower on Tony throughout these first few episodes. I've been like, is this just a big character? I mean, it's a different presentation, but it also makes sense for it to be different. I think taking all that into account, thinking about what you all said at Tribal where he was surprised by Tony's behavior so far. Seeing Tony with a very clear head and excellent strategy here, all that added together makes me think, this is okay. And I, I'm i no Tony believer. I have him as my number one. He's the number one? Yeah. Wow, okay. Honestly, you're persuading me because coming, I've been flip-flopping so hard because that's the weird thing, right? Is historically winners don't get shown as... When they're the swing vote, things go completely wrong necessarily. Mm-hmm. But that's not like Tommy in the Jack episode, right? Like very clearly was trying to save Jack, but they showed why his idea was right. Or sorry, why it was uh, Jason. Molly. Molly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was the Molly. It was the Molly one. Is the Jack King oh, yeah. Queen and Jack episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
right like we see him as clearly the swing vote and wrong but that's kind of swept under the rug because he had the right idea and it kind of explained his game strategy and this one he tony even has more cover where it's okay i want to do this thing it's the right thing to do he's not the swing vote he's the he's the plan maker and sandra's just a brick wall that he can't get over right and she even explains like this is either an emotional bad decision or a really good one like that's how she like the confessional is i like revenge but i like two million dollars more mm-hmm. that's literally putting it bad emotional versus good strategic and she picks bad emotional ergo tony's move fails that's really good for tony um and it almost provides smokescreen because he's shown technically wrong so our goofy character that's secretly way better looking as an edit than think right like i think that's kind of what they're going for is even if he's not our winner he's sneaky good he's sneaky um like how do you put it like sneaky well developed with Mm -hmm. his pitting against yule with the breadfruit and the relationship with sarah the relationship with sandra he is sneaky all the things this is the first episode where he's just a game bot and he's wrong but he's wrong in an entertaining way he's Mm -hmm. wrong in a way where you leave the episode being like wow sandra of all people should have listened to tony yeah for sure so i think you have a good point there do you agree this is going to be tony versus yule Mm, i think my first instinct is to actually say no i almost wonder if it is better if that group of four does somehow get destroyed for tony Hmm. because i think it makes more sense for him and tyson and sarah to come back together and sort of form something if they don't have this group against them interesting i get it though like i think that is a very valid way to see the season going forward i don't know i think at this point with you all saying i thought tony was gonna be an asshole and i guess he's not or whatever the breadfruit thing where Tony gets two breadfruit with an insane plan and you only gets one with a practical plan. Um, we see him targeting like him targeting the poker alliance, but not being sure whether he should do that or the Sarah, Tony mm-hmm. Sandra group. They've been so pitted against each other this whole time. I don't know. I think to me, it reads like that's going to be, mm-hmm. I guess and another thing is Tony's story is keep the big threats around. Like, he's like, I want Tyson to stay. I want Amber to stay. We need to keep these people around. Yule is targeting Amber. He's targeting Tyson. He's the opposite of that. Yule is not playing a meat shields game. Tony is. They are philosophically opposed to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess to sort of reverse the question on you... If that alliance of four does have casualties or dissolve even, does that hurt Tony necessarily? I don't think necessarily. Okay. It could even get hurt by Tony, right? Like Tony's group could join with Sele or something. Like, right. Stuff like that is, I think, in the cards. It's just, I don't think it's necessarily tied. It just seems like a possibility. And one where I could see Tony coming out on top. Mm-hmm. So if Tony has a chance of winning, I mean, this is going to continue to be season because he's so good he's so fun to watch even when he's just game bot tony he's fun he's so energetic well yeah i think he was more sympathetic than he's been in previous episodes like i understood him like he was very like um charismatic in his approach to it like it was all strategy but it was not i would 
not necessarily term it as a game bot move. I agree. Like, this is the Tony where you're like, wow, I see how this guy won. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. last week with the ladder, I was not thinking, mm, this is, looks like a guy who is sane enough to win Survivor. But this week he did. Like, this week he was on point. He seemed funny and charming, but also, like, warning people, like, if we don't do something, we're in danger. And mm-hmm. it was believable. Like, he's good. Right. I think a big concern I have is his visibility. He's super visible. But I I mean, Kagi on Tony was also like this. And I think it was just the more negative tones of it threw me off. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, it is sort of a battle to sort of think, if Tony is this big now, where does he go here? But I don't know. I also, I just believe strongly in it. It is a, it's a very close race between him and my second contender. Interesting. Who hasn't come up? Hasn't come up. Interesting. I think, I think, cool. So that brings us to Wendell. I don't know, perhaps hot take. I think Wendell's still in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just a continuation of what we said last episode. Yep. Let's see what this episode brings because that's the thing we did not expect. Like we both were saying, don't expect a whole lot from him next week, but Mm -hmm. continues that pattern. And he actually got enough week to kind of propel him up because he is so dreadfully boring um no offense to wendell he, he just, just got a yeah he got to be like when tyson was like it's too easy it's too easy wendell's the one like yeah it is too easy we're voting yeah. out tyson so which is good <laughs> content if you're you know what i mean like that's the the good content that you know everyone said right mm-hmm. like everybody everybody's got a confessional saying oh tyson thinks it's too easy wink it is um mm-hmm. you'll or sorry wendell got that multiple times he got multiple confessionals um pretty good again a really good premiere followed by him saying he's gonna play under the radar it's like very similar in sarah lucina and game changer she mm-hmm. refers to herself as the silent assassin and she vanishes pretty much pretty much wendell's kind of the same way right now he's in the four it's really good that he's in the four easy can win he just doesn't have a story yet and that's okay because it's wendell and he has the foundation right yeah i think wendell's maybe the anti denise and that people are all over on him like yes some people really see that um some people are like no way is wendell winning and i think that kind of might be like (laughs) you don't want to see an all winner season with this sort of edit winning yeah but the simple truth is this is actually what under the radar winners can look like right like yeah especially on all-star seasons where they mm -hmm. do have this sort of dead pre-merge yeah like he's basically fine and he references ghost island in the first episode Mm -hmm. uh the season number and everything he says everything respectively explores his game how he wants to play this time what how that's different in his strategy for the future he does all those things and then just kind of screws off for a little bit i think Mm -hmm. that's really really good um i don't know to me he's right below my contender list like literally the first person off my top five like he's number six with a huge chance to win i'm just really hoping that's not true yeah he's a little bit lower for me but honestly this conversation has me more convinced but the thing is it could all change next week yeah because he that's the other thing like the problem is when it's something like this where he is just a little bit developed that's also what losing finalists look like like there's a lot of things that can look like um Mm -hmm. but the fact that he was the one to and also, I do want to bring back, he's the one that got to talk about being a super fan on episode one. He's the one who introduced what we're continuously noticing 
is maybe the theme of the season with the building things not or building things to create relationships thing being mm-hmm. paramount. That was also his story in Ghost Island and being in an alliance of somebody that represents those values and all really good for him. Right. So that's Wendell. Yeah, I almost think it's best for him if like the Tony Tyson group presents an early obstacle and they fall off. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think that's also maybe an issue with Sophie too, is these, well, maybe not so much with Sophie, but the longer that sort of like rivalry continues, I think it looks better for Tony Tyson and Yule. Mm hmm. Not so much Wendell and a little less Sophie. Agreed. 100%. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Ewell. Who I, I guess I'm talking more about him like I'm sort of content considering him, which is an improvement. I think it's just like, it'd be foolish not to. Mm-hmm. Sort of the Sarah for me. Like, he's just getting this consistent content. And I know I've said it doesn't feel winnery, but it also does. This it's week consistent. it did. Yeah, it's consistent. It feels feels like something to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, I, he's in my like perennial um I don't want to look like an asshole idiot for not considering him when he wins. Like, you know what I mean? Like Right. Cuz like if he wins it's like, "Oh, duh." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but also I gun to my head, I think there's a lot of people above him. I think I have right. him number 4 on my list where he mm. makes sense. He's possible. This week looked really good for him. With like cooking the fish, I thought it was a really excellent thought process. Like, I actually thought at Tribal it being like Jeff being like, "You last time you used a lot of game and math." Not a memorable thing from Cook Islands, Jeff. But um, <laughs> and he's like, you know, this time I'm actually trying to be more social. And that's really good for him. He this and I thought the most astute point he made was most people think that winning immunity is a day off. To me, it's I'm gonna work harder. I thought it was brilliant thought process strategy because people are off like no longer on edge when they're not scared of going to tribal Mm -hmm. really good um he's so obviously leader type that it's more than likely one of his followers win because they are built up too but yeah again like i don't want to not consider him i feel like that would be very silly because he totally can win he's got the foundation yeah very strong character Mm mm-hmm Great character. He's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Great confessionalist. And unlike, honestly, like, I feel like the common criticism of modern survivors, there's too many game bots, but Yule is able to put it in such clear terms continuously. Like, you understand not only the chess piece methodology of what he's doing, but also why it matters, which is, I think, the thing that a lot of modern game bots miss is like, he talks, like, he doesn't really talk like a game bot. He talks like somebody trying to, like, socially manipulate people. And mm-hmm. that's way more interesting. Yeah. It's not like I need to vote out X person for X reason or whatever. It's when not winning is just and hustling is just as important. And it's also interesting. And I don't know what you think about this, that he got that confessional this week where he went to tribal. Yeah, that is. I mean, I don't know if it's because it happened to happen on day 10 or or that's when he had. His well, day. this week they showed they didn't give a crap about showing things that happened on the day. Sure. Right? Like, like Tony looking like day one Tony talking and then flipping right away to day 10 Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, they've been way more loosey-goosey with <laughs> their <laughs> sequence of events this season. Yeah. So, I don't know about that. I will say, I thought it was a bit of, like, a falter in gameplay when he's talking to Nick about why he's being targeted. And we know it's 
what he's talked about with Tyson, but he's like, yeah, it's just like he he thinks you'll be an easy target. And that's a little that's mm-hmm. a bad reason, Yule, but I mean, Nick seemed to eat it up. So, yeah, there's all these really subtle digs on Yule throughout the season. Again, the Tony stuff, but also like when him and Sophie are established as a duo, she's like, are, is that all you're going to say? Like, you're just walking away. He's like, what should I say? Mm-hmm. He doesn't get this like little bit of undermining. It's a little subtle. And I don't know. I think it is a little doomsday. But I actually mm-hmm. do want to touch quickly back on to just because I know I forgot to Tony quick. Because the fact that we saw that content out of um, sequence, at least really to me heavily looked like it was out of sequence, mm-hmm. is actually further justification for Tony. Because it was him pitching to Sandra, who that's when she's being like i don't know about that like um i'm really mad at tyson so that would have been a week before when he's pitching to like keep big threats around so it makes sandra look way worse it makes tony look way better that's also really good for him if they just like i don't know i I get the feeling from this vote just in general that it was very quickly unanimous against tyson so i don't know if they just needed some sort of substance to be like a decoy boot Oh, that's absolutely what it was. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah. wow, there's nothing. Like, he was just so dead. Um, so, I guess a week ago, he was fine. But yeah, I think it is important to give that to Tony because in Nick versus Tyson, why aren't you giving that to a Sarah or mm-hmm. a Sandra or Kim? Like, I think, I mean, Tony is probably the most appealing television wise in terms of framing it, but. I think it also is because he's important and mm-hmm. which yeah. Are, do you have anything else on Yule? No. Cool. So I actually think this is an excellent segue. Cause now we're going to talk about Tyson. And as much as I actually think that stuff with the misframed content and everything was good for Tyson or sorry for Tony, I think it's amazing for Tyson because what looks like it was probably the easiest boot of all time was rationalized as a really bad move. And Tony was in his corner and Sarah and him were super close. And so much of that was clearly early stuff that mm-hmm. it's manufactured, right? Like this is edit manipulation to make it look like it was way closer than it was. I don't know about you. I'm guessing you're the same way. Tyson is either. I was coming in. I was putting him as my number one. Um, And then I felt like, like I really don't want an edge of extinction person to win. So my entire, like it's so close between Tony and Tyson and it's like, uh, but Tony's not on Edge of Extinction, so... <laughs> yeah. Like, I think which, Tyson's edit is better. Which I think, if I remember correctly, in Edge of Extinction, we both got to a point when Rick Devins was voted out. We had him... I think I had him number one. I don't know if yep. you had him there, You too. had him number one. I did not. But I think it's almost once we get to that point, it sort of, like we've been saying this entire episode, proves that the season is sort of justifying edge of extinction Mm -hmm. and so i i feel really good about tyson winning there but it also just makes me think higher of edge of extinction in general for this season agreed like tyson ends up leaving making everybody else look like they're bad players for voting him out it it doesn't look like he did anything wrong Mm -hmm. like he basically got voted out because he was a threat for out-of-game reasons. He had accurate reads on the situation. He was right. He's being shown very simply 
Like, this is no... Like, imagine if you saw this and then was like, oh, yeah, this person was a villain on the hero season. Right? Um, Like, this is a guy on a villain's tribe. And all he's talked about is how much he loves his daughter and how great he is at making fire and how funny he is and goofy he is and how, honestly, like, perfect he is. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, and how even people who vote him out want him around, they're just that scared of him. He's a right. legend, they refer to him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, maybe it's... Tyson is a legend of Survivor, but I don't think it's ever been... Like, I think he's one of those ones on the line. Like, he's not Boston Rob, he's not Parvati. Right, yeah. I mean, this season so far, and we mentioned it in previous episodes, has been, we want you to root for Tyson this season. And now <laughs> that he's voted out, it's like, I guess I want him back in the game. Which I do, I really like him. And I'm like, yes, please return. So mm-hmm. please return at the final six and win. It doesn't yeah. hurt that the guy is like literally again a professional athlete. He's gonna do well in the challenges. He's always done well in the challenges. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, like like I don't know. I think everything about his story is super good. We kind of called this last week. I thought it would be at the hands of a Sandra idol, but he was just dead. <laughs> like, yeah, no, <laughs> no chance it seems like of flipping it at all. Mm-hmm. The Sarah Tony or sorry Sarah Tyson scene again. Why would this get shown? Like they only have so much screen time. Why are they showing Sarah and Tyson so much? Like, yeah, I mean, we didn't really discuss this with Sarah, but she does have this scene where she loves Tyson and then votes him out. So like that can't be great for Sarah. Like we're looking at her now, but that reads mm-hmm. bad for Sarah. Tyson can't vote against Sarah. Like that's not what happened. And I think it shows that there's some sort of important bond there. Yeah. Which I I mean, maybe they're best chums on Edge of Extinction, but I'd put a lot more money on them being best buds again in the game. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. I don't know. And he's also, of all the people on Edge of Extinction, I think only him and Natalie have ever found it in the game, right? Like an idol or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Natalie found one idol in Sir, whereas, and th- th- that was exile based, whereas tyson's kind of an idol fiend finding them in the game proper i don't know Mm -hmm. like tyson feels like he'll do really well on edge of extinction he might be pretty clever he i don't know like all around i think he's really well positioned to come back in the game for sure yeah and i think he also then is really well positioned to then go on and win which Mm -hmm. is ridiculous yeah it's sort of if they're looking back at season 38 and trying to combat another extinction win against Chris Underwood's win. This makes more sense to be like, look how great this person is as opposed to, yeah, this person went to edge of extinction. And yeah, this is, he did nothing wrong. It wasn't his fault. He, even in this episode, it's well, I would like to keep him, but what if he reunites with Boston Rob? They brought it up again to remind us, Hey, he did nothing to get himself in this spot. Right. Also Kim made the mistake of not giving him the thing. Like Mm -hmm. it was all Kim's fault. It was all, uh, Boston Rob's fault. Everyone but Tyson. Yeah. It, uh, it, I almost want to put him above Tony still. but That's the thing. Like, literally, if I didn't hate Edge of Extinction with all my being, he's my number one. Like, uh, honestly, he's my number one. He's the most likely to win the game. I gotta be responsible. He's my number one. Yeah, I think I'm gonna switch too. I'm jumping <laughs> ship. I'm Julie Rosenberging. Yeah, I don't know. It sucks, but... And I think, just like I said earlier, by that happening, Amber seems more likely to me now natalie's there ethan and danny like i, I don't know I think that's the, the thing is like, 
as like that's the thing is with edge of extinction so much of it sure is tyson looks so good but part of him looking so good is yeah justifying edge of extinction as a concept that's what 38 was all about was just justifying it as a concept and mm-hmm. that was the story was edge of extinction is really important guys and this one it's all the people there are really cool and they try so hard bonds them together that's why like it's almost excuses for the jury vote like that's how it reads yeah um like no wonder we're all bonded together ah, like mm-hmm. i think explicit takes like we would say on these podcasts but on the show <laughs> i think if he's the first returnee i'm afraid he can go very rick devins and i would keep an eye on or a stronger eye on who's still on edge of extinction yes and getting good stories i feel like the second returnee he's he, like he wins <laughs> like, yeah yeah for sure but yeah if he's the first one it is a little bit more nebulous because mm-hmm. that's the thing is it could always be like we saw an edge of extinction the baton toss like yeah because they made it clear like edge of extinction is kind of like the white walkers they don't really have an identity people from edge of extinction so i don't know like, that's the thing is like they they have such an intertwined identity that it's so hard to read necessarily but yeah mm-hmm. tyson's number one for me the other top contenders here in no particular order are <laughs> i got um so i'm gonna put tyson number one probably tony number two sophie number three yule number four wendell number five i believe I'm gonna go share that top three: Tyson, Tony, Sophie, Amber, still at number four, and Michelle at number five. Yeah, Michelle's probably number six for me. I um, mean, talking about all this, Michelle feels so not entwined with any of it at the moment. Like, yes, that's the that's worry. A, that's a big problem. But I mean, she hasn't had any opportunity to be. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. What happens when she meets her mysterious ex-boyfriend, which is a real ex-boyfriend, and thus I can't do my prediction of who is. Michelle's metaphorical ex-boyfriend because it really exists. Right. Um, <laughs> I still am like, I don't I don't know who of these people could it be. Who so. knows? Um, so who do you think is gonna leave next week, Joe? Hmm. I will go with I believe the next boot of this season will be Kim. Yeah, that's who I think as well. Rip. Uh, if I have to pick someone else. Let's go. We both got it this week. We both picked Tyson last week. Ah, let's go Sandra. Let's say they clean that up real quick. With the idol, though? Oh, has she? Oh, she hasn't been to three. I mean, it depends on the rules of the idol. Is it three tribals since she got it? Or I think they would have said that her idol expired. Okay. Um, Yeah, let's still say Sandra. If not Kim. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, she probably has the hubris to not play it. Cool. I mean, it's Rob going to get her out, so... Are there any um, calls on what you think two people who are going to swap together are? Yeah, that was going to be actually the other question I had, is who is the pair most likely to get swapped together? Ben and Denise. (laughs) That's such a bizarre one to pick, but I get it. Yeah, like, I feel like that idol story is so on there. Um, Yeah, that might about be the best pick. Well, I know one. So I'm the, other than the one I know. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I actually didn't have a solid answer for that. <laughs> but That's always exciting, though. Um, mm-hmm. Having to think on the spot. So yeah, that's our show. Um, you can email us at, us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. No S. Uh, new episodes on Saturdays or Sundays. 
If I have my stuff together, I'd failed at posting. I was lazy, but this is my vow. Lazy, lazy. Yeah, we post on our Survivor, our Edgic. Um, also, we're on all major podcast catchers. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed. Um, I had somebody message me and be like, hey, where's the episode? I'm like, look for it yourself, you dweeb. Um, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> we love our fans, though. <laughs> yeah. And this was a friend of mine. It wasn't a, okay. wasn't a random listener. Don't worry. We love you guys um screw you justin um <laughs> but yeah so you can follow me on twitter at danny Kill. you can follow joe at j chapman 9000 uh we tweet to varying degrees of quality don't uh, hate us for our bad tweets as an american in 2020 with the election it's a tough time to be on twitter but yeah. i still i still go there as a form of self-torture i suppose but i'm canadian what's politics um (laughs) praise the maple syrup Mm -hmm. but yeah uh, farewell have an enjoyable evening yes see you next week